You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. They come from the bowels of hell, guided by a master plan for complete domination of the earth. It arouses such emotion that the management has been forced to state positively no refunds. Liberations of Doom returns. That's right. It is the second half of our Clive Barker podcast. I'm Chris. Patience. Philip. Russell. Rob. And we are, well, the first half, what did we talk about? We talked about Hellraiser. Rawhead Rex. We talked about Rawhead Rex. Y'all are like, Rawhead Rex, y'all are fucking Rawhead Rex. And we talked about Nightbreed. And now we're going to go into uh, the second half of his film career, which definitely took a different turn in some ways, although I will say the first of the films that we're going to discuss here feels a little more in line with the first half, which is 1992's Candyman. Yeah. And I will say that this is a film when I first saw it when it came out, I didn't much care for. What? I didn't. Yeah, and I've, I've gone That's through, a surprise. I've gone through years going, yeah, I don't really like Cam- Candyman. Haven't seen it since. Rewatched it for this podcast and went, wow, what did I not like about this movie? This is a really yeah, solid. Two Chris didn't know what the hell yes, he was talking about. Solid little crazy. horror film. I'm actually kind of shocked how, how much I really liked this movie the yeah. second time around. I mean, personally, I'm slightly in love with Tony Todd. I'm yeah. just. I always have been. Um, my friend Martin Thomas has a great story about being on an elevator with him at Comic Con <laughs> and being like, Oh, like, you're, like trapped in an elevator, really. You get an elevator, and it's like Martin just, got star just him and Candyman, and like the just staring at the wall, like what the fuck do you? Say he didn't say anything. Down? Well, I think he did, but his whole, his whole thing was less Candyman and more like like uh, 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 what's his name from Justice League that he did the voice for uh, uh, John Johns, uh, Marshall Man. Oh yeah, Marshall Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, it's Tony Todd, which I would have been equally excited for, except that I didn't want to end up. All right, we're jumping ahead. Phil's going to do the uh, plot on this. Phil, plot summary. What is the plot summary of Candyman? Yeah, um, the movie stars Virginia Madsen and Tony Todd, and it's about a, um, I guess, a graduate student who's doing her thesis paper on urban legends, which, uh, again, is one of those kind of precursors to all that urban legend uh, stuff that happened in the late 90s. And uh, she's trying to find a subject matter to, um, you know, really, I guess, bolster her degree or her, I don't know, notoriety at the university or whatnot. So she's trying to find some really cool uh, story to talk about. And she finds the story of Candyman, who is a, uh, a man with a hook who lives in a Cabrini Green in um, Chicago's projects. And, a real uh, place, by the way. A real place, and it's a terrifying real place. And... Um, she goes in there with her friend, uh, who who is an African American, or maybe like half black, half white, and she's just like, "Girl, played by Cassie Lemons." There you go, Cassie yeah, we'll Lemons, get to that, but the director actually, who who is literally like, "You have no idea what you're doing here, white girl. We look like cops. We have no business being here." And as they go in there, they find that you know it's pretty terrifying just from the real life crime that exists there. They go into a woman's apartment, and this woman has been murdered, and they find out the cabinetry work in the bathroom. Uh, you can break through there and kill people or break into houses if you need it to be. And then as the story progresses, um, you come to find out that the main woman, played by Virginia Madsen, tells the little kid that, you know, Candyman's just a made-up pretty much creature, and the real villains are the criminals around you. And by doing this, she herself unleashes this... Uh, Villain, this fictional villain, or I guess not fictional villain, this uh, 
this mythical villain who now has taken away one of her believers, and now she has to pay for that. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, he's uh, he's almost sort of Gaiman-esque in that sense of like, don't you fuck with my believers. Yeah. That took away one of the believers right there. So Incidentally, the whole thing, that discovery of like the hole through the mirror, apparently uh, was accidental and led to the building of the script because a real murder took place in the place they filmed it, which was the real Cabrini Green, where that was the deal. Someone had carved a hole in the wall and crawled in behind the no mirror. Shit. Like that oh, yeah. really uh, was a real series of murders wow. where they filmed it. It was like, holy shit, that's fucked up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, context. And, and the thing is, even filming where they filmed, they had to make deals with like drug dealers and drug yeah. lords and yeah. gang lords just to film there. And they were still like shot at. Yeah, a lot, like, of, the, yeah, no, a lot of the extras there was, yeah. were, were actual real drug You, you could tell criminals. they were tough motherfuckers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there was like they said the worst was like the van got shot at as they were leaving mm-hmm. by a sniper. And it was Good. Like, wow. Fuck. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, Chicago is crazy. I love this film. Candyman is absolutely one of my all-time favorite. Like you know, you know, mythical slasher type films. I guess you would say. Uh, I love Tony Todd. I just love the whole mythology. I love the fact that you know, pre Jordan Peele, we get our you know our African American, you know, standout actor who is just like, I'm gonna fuck you up and I'm gonna do it in a classy way. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, you like he's I, classy. I was like, what I loved about this was that the NAACP had to be like informed. They were yeah, making they a actually, black man a villain, and it was true. like. There was a big argument about it because it was like, yep. oh, you're fine. You're making the black man a villain. It's like, but every other killer in horror movies is a white guy. So it ended up being a sort of like damn yeah. if you be, yeah. damned if you don't Well, they, thing, they were you know? afraid that it was going to be like stereotyping. Yeah. And obviously, I mean, I, I think some of the criminal elements were stereotyped, but actual Candyman himself, uh, he was a classy guy. He was wealthy. He came from a wealthy family. He was an artiste. You know, he wasn't like, you know, your typical portrayal of a black man in 1992. Yeah. So I thought that was really and was amazing. Just... And it really portrayed the, the downfall of, like, you know, slavery and prejudice and racism. As Barker tends to do, he was trying to create a mythology. Yeah. Again. yeah. And this whole idea of this guy who was a, sla- a freed slave who ended up having an affair with a white woman and like it becoming this whole history thing. I love all the sequences in it with the, like that where as we get into his secret sanctum sanctorum, there's like spray painted stories on the great wall. Graffiti. This whole history. The great graffiti, graffiti, graffiti beautiful here. I mean, it's just, it's a villain that you're actually, you feel sympathy for yeah. while still no question being at that point of like, you're still a villain though. You're still, I mean, we feel bad for what happened to you, but we, you're still, your own hatred has damned you, you know? And that being said, I feel like out of all of Clyde Barker's films, I feel like this is the most mainstream. I feel like there wasn't a whole lot of gore. There isn't a whole lot of like, holy shit, like reinventing the wheel. Like he did with Hellraiser or Nightbreed or even Rawhead Rex. But, um, I mean, this is, this is definitely like a more, this is definitely a mainstream film. This is something that you would watch in the theater when you were 16 years old. Part of that is they got a really like respected director, Bernard Rose, uh, who had had a lot of experience. He went on to do his film after this was fucking immortal beloved. Yeah. Which is amazing. Beethoven, which is great. 
Um, but also, by the way, note, did the Frankie Goes to Hollywood video relax, which as a kid I thought was like one of the best things <laughs> ever. And then they get, as a rare, very rare thing for Barker or even horror films in general, Philip Glass, who is one of the most famous composers of his era, like one of the pretty much dominant minimalist composer to do the score, which I think this stands out as the best Clyde Barker score. I don't know. Danny See? Elfman did a great job. Um, Breeze, this for so. me really, really works for me. I liked every song but the intro credit song. Yeah. The intro credit was very distracting me, but yeah, I mean, he did a good job. There's just, there's a lot of beauty in this thing. There's a lot of very controversial ideas. Like, even today, essays are regularly written about, is this film racist or is it anti-racist? Like, there's a lot of, like, like very confused idea of, like, what is it saying here? And, like, uh, people, like, saying there's multiple ways to interpret this. And it seems clear when they made it, they were uh, they were hyper aware of the racial components of it. But I get why some people might come at this, like, oh, well, it's this black killer uh, who is yeah. going up against this gentrifying white woman coming into the, this area. And, and, like, and then he is the villain. You're like, okay. I get that, but I think that all of that was included in the discussion yeah, well, happening during it, the film. It's clearly not racist because they talk about it in the fucking movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They talk about like the apartment that Virginia Madsen lives in is a gentrified neighborhood. She calls it out, saying yeah. this is what it is, why I know what this is. And the fact that the filmmakers actually shot in Cabrini Green, risking their own lives, just straight up goes to say, this is not a racist movie. This is a calling out how dangerous the world is as well as the actual storyline going on. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like, you know, uh, I didn't necessarily find this movie scary. I found it, uh, I found the villain to be kind of interesting at times. And I really like Tony Todd a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's a lot going on here. I, I like it. And I will say this. When I was a kid going to school, again, because we had an underground, you know, uh, market of trading VHS tapes back in the days, Every kid I knew... It's its own movie. Well, dude, right like, there. I, I, well, I went to a military school in Europe, which was a pretty much, you know, I mean, half minority, half white. So it was literally, you know, I think probably 25% African-American, 15%, you know, Hispanic, uh, you know, probably 5 to 10% Asian here and there, and whatever else you fill in. And you would not believe the amount of people that actually really responded to Candyman. And, and so what they did worked because, like, they were trying to appeal to the masses, and they did. And I remember growing up, everyone everyone knew who Candyman was. So, uh, yeah, you know, it was, enjoyable. It, and it played into already existing, like, like memes that I think we were all familiar with of, like, Bloody Mary and stuff. Yeah. Like, yes, no idea. Yes. We all Saying know Candyman that. in the in the, the mirror multiple times. The urban legend years. aspect of this movie is probably one of its strongest traits. And it, and it, before well, anyone else did it, Before too. anybody else right. did it. Yeah, and exactly. I, it felt that way that as she learns about Candyman... Everybody else, like that that great urban legend idea that everybody else already knows about the monster. You're not the one to discover it. It already permeates this entire community and culture. They they, they know it. They believe in it. They're scared of it. And the fact that a drug dealer uses that to actually hold down the hood as I'm the candy man, bitches. I love it. There was an actual human being trying to, you know, be the candy man as well, which I thought was great. Right, right, right. Um, Yeah, really great writing. 
Okay. Wait. So who? It's you. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's on SBs. Oh. Okay. I just want to say again, back to my production company logo. Tristar bitches. Who likes them? Some flying horsey. Really bad animated wings coming out of that little white horse. So much triangle. Um. Yeah. This movie. I could sing the animated theme to the Tristar. Um. Uh. Rob and I actually talked about this movie a bunch uh, when we were watching. And, and this was, again, a movie that I've seen before several times. Um, whenever it shows up on streaming, I usually make a point to watch it. It's a really great uh, horror movie. I, I think it's kind of um, – it. I, I guess it's – I don't want to say it's underrated. But it's not necessarily a movie people think of uh, right away when they think of horror movies. But it, it really deserves to be in that pantheon. It's great. And um, I have to say of – of all the movies that we watched um, for this uh, particular assignment, it's probably the best movie. I, I mean, I just think that from sort of beginning to end, it just works as a movie. And it was made by, I think, a really great director who really understood what to do with the material and, and really figured out a way to make it entertaining and intelligent and adult and still be, you know, a horror movie. Um, so I, it never shies away from that. It very much wants to be a horror movie. Uh it's yeah, and and it's certainly better than it has any right to be. Um, let me see. If there's anything agree, else on that? I actually agree with all of that, except that it's the best film as a film. Of Wh- which would you better. say was better? We'll get to it. Oh, we haven't even gotten there yet. Oh, shit. Whoa. All right. I honestly, I feel like... Was it Rawhead Rex? (laughs) It was Rawhead Rex. No, we already covered Rawhead Rex. We did, yeah. The worst part of this film, honestly, was the fact that Virginia Madsen was drinking Budweiser in a can, like some goddamn (laughs) heathen. I did think that. I was like, You know what? It was the 90s. Everybody was drinking Budweiser. And the other thing I want to say about the 90s was... Everybody smokes in this movie. A lot. Everywhere they go, people are smoking. So that's how you know it's the 90s. Smoking in their goddamn classrooms. So, so r- real quick, just a quick question. How did you feel about like the serial killer himself not actually really ever being a killer in the movie for, until like, the very end? What do you mean? Like I thought like it was really interesting that every time something bad happened, it was like, oh, I have me holding a knife, and now I'm the guilty party. I'm just curious to see what people thought about that because oh, like the it happened a lot. scene where she was like, well, because you ne- well, like it was never like a Michael Myers who's going and killing people. It was literally like an invisible foe the entire movie. That's, what I'm just curious. that's the, one of the best yeah. things about the that's, movie. That's what I'm curious about, like what you guys thought about. Yeah, that. that's yeah, yeah, the, yeah. one of the best things about the movie is is that aspect that it's not some conventional thing like Rawhead Rex or where you just watch gore and people. Re- it's so much more sophisticated and Hitchcockian. And and I, I agree. And that interesting idea that I think um, doesn't happen in a lot of horror movies, which is there are real world consequences for what happens. Right. Like like there's this murder and and she ends up taking the fall for she it. She goes to jail. She yeah. goes to a psychiatric hospital. And, and that becomes what the movie is about. She and, loses and, her whole entire life. And indeed was the theme for the multiple sequels to follow with that whole... There is like, sequels? Oh, yeah. The whole deal of like... Like three? He is killing these people, but his part of his whole thing is always setting up someone else to, to look take like the they're the killer. Yeah. Which, in a weird sort of way, like, when you look at it as... I, I'm kind of like, I get why they would want to do that in the sequel, because people are like, they've got to be so formulaic, but I feel like, why would... Why, that doesn't seem like it's part of the bigger thing. Like, like his reasoning here to do it is because, as we find out, she has a sort of, like, 
Dracula to Mina relationship, yes. you yeah. know, with her. Like, I want her to come with me and be part of this world. Like, she's a reincarnation We're to some degree. To live together forever, of, of the, killing people. Of the woman from his, his like, past. Them reusing that was, I was like, well, that's really makes no sense to keep doing that. But um, here it does, in fact, work. And I I love that the sense of horror is really added to by Madsen, who I think brings that sort of like this person who is genuinely not a really disturbed person. She's just a she's a student. She's a journalist. She's a smart, intelligent, educated I, person. I, I do think something would have been added to by sticking to the original story where she was not investigating urban legends. She was mm. investigating graffiti. And she was like, I'm into urban graffiti and what it means. And that led no, her I don't, to I'm urban still, legends. I, I like what she's doing. I actually, I completely disagree. Um, I agree with you, Chris. The, the graffiti angle would have been much better. Because at one point, she's hmm. at a She's at a dinner party. It just sounds really stupid in a pitch. Well, uh, uh, looking at graffiti, uh, and the serial killer think, comes I out think, of it. I think the Not themes nowadays, of the film. But... I think the themes of the film are are really helped by her the subject of her investigation. And even the word urban legend works in the urban setting. So keep mm-hmm. going. And, and urban I, legends, I think, is particularly at that point in time, <laughs> had really come to the forefront as an interesting topic. Yeah. And I thought and it, an this is one of the, a topic worth of academic And this is one of the first movies I saw that ever addressed that idea. 100%. Particularly right. because they have such a, a, a forefront of Horror movies. The horror movies take so much from urban legends. Patience is dying over here. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No worries. Um, I was just saying there's this scene where she's at this dinner party and she's like talking, like, you know, with her partner Bernadette and she's just talking about with her project and it's this urban legend project and one of the other people at this dinner is like this professor of urban legends and she's like i'm gonna bury you and he's like oh you're talking about Candyman? did you even read my paper that i wrote 10 years ago on him and she's just like no and i and honestly like that really made me angry about this film because here's this person she's like trying to do this whole revolutionary paper on the candy man and men keep talking over you and she (laughs) (laughs) and she can't be bothered to read the previous research on this on the thing i mean that's just i mean it was so unacademic this is pre-internet to mind you okay but still this is her husband it's not like the guy was like published in a million different dude came to her funeral spoiler I mean, this is her husband's friend, you know, like... I didn't even catch that. I mean, it's it's an interesting... It's not not an unfair point, but I still think it's more interesting that she's... I mean, she's she's not pushing the buttons here. So, I'm just going to throw out the only thing I didn't like about this movie is when they do the whole, like, it's always been you, whatever the fuck her name was. (laughs) And then they show a painting on the wall, and it's like, hey, that girl kind of looks like Virginia Madsen. Oh, wait, it's a reincarnation of the woman he loved. Oh, wait, and to me, that was just... It was too neatly well, tied up. It goes, that whole it goes bit. into like I said earlier that whole sort of Mina Dracula thing, which was so on the nose. But in and of itself, I thought it worked okay. It's fine with me. I, I mean, I, I like it, it works better as a there was only this film as opposed to the four sequels or whatever there were after here. You know, just like oh, this film in and of itself, you're like okay, it's got a, it's a new take on a sort of Dracula sort of mythos, if you will. I don't know. She's researching an urban legend she's never heard of before, for fuck's sake. Hmm. Yeah. Otherwise, Rusty the movie is flawless. Uh, I just, <laughs> re- real quick, um, I had a couple of things, but, um, and I know this is 
I don't want to say off topic, but I haven't seen Candyman 2, is it? What is it? Feral I've never watched Flesh any or whatever. sequels. Yeah. But I know that that was directed by now A-list director and, and um, Oscar? Is he winning an Oscar? Uh, Bill Condon. Uh, who's, it was? Yeah. Was it really? Wow. Yeah, Bill, Bill Condon directed the second. And I, and I have to say, um, Rose, between this film and uh, and, and Immortal Beloved, I'm, I'm somewhat oh, surprised shit. that he kind of... Did not have Bill Condon's career. I, I feel that Rose deserved a, a bigger career than he actually had. Okay. Um, particularly watching this again, I was sort of blown he away. He not directed a lot yeah, of that, movies. Yeah, that, that, that Bill Condon, who ended up directing a, you know, obviously. Twilight movies? Yeah, the Twilight movies, but also Dreamgirls and these other movies, that, that he directed well, a sequel to this so film. Good, by the way. But he directed a sequel to this film, and he's the guy that became the giant A-list director, and, and Rose isn't. Yeah, he got Anna Karenina, and that was kind of yeah. Yeah. So uh, not, not the one that was the really famous version of it, though. Not the Joe. Uh, yeah, what's it's Joe Lynch. Uh, not Joe Lynch. Not Joe Lynch. Joe Wright. Not Joe Wright. Joe Wright. Sorry, I would love to see. <laughs> yeah, I would like Joe to see Lynch. The <laughs> Joe Wright version of of Anna oh, Karenina. And I would like to say, for the record, Joe Lynch's Mayhem is in theaters right now. Oh, it just came so out. Good. Mayhem. Okay. Is essential view. All right, good so stuff. Good. Russ, finish because I'm trying to keep us on track. Uh, Rob uh, is on point. Well, I'm today. trying to. Rob's like, I need food. And well, um, I think that's it. Uh, I did want to say, and this is sort of a slight spoilery thing, but um, why do they bury Helen with the hook? I don't know that I would want to spend eternity with the cursed object in my grave. I would. I mean, that's just. <laughs> I, I hope you I'm, would, Cox. I'm calling it right now. You would. If if I get killed by a supernatural killer. Please bury me with that. With their battle. weapon. I feel right. like it was. Right, a, I, see, I feel like it was an homage. Like they were like. I mean, a, a, they I, I were mean, acknowledging I how she, she I, took I feel, down Candyman. You know? I feel that they buried she her as a point. This is your vanquished foe's weapon, yep. and I felt more. It was more of a tribute. Yep. Than anything else, so no, I, I did. Don't respond. don't bury me with now, my real quick. Right. I've never watched any of the sequels, but does the little baby she saved grow up and like dig the hook out and use it to fight Candyman later? That would be I amazing. Seen any sequels I either, mean, that's so gonna be the Candyman. That's Phil's sequel. I read the Wikipedia plots on at some point. Went like, yeah, they just immediately went out of my head. Directed by Philip Guzman, the Goose, the Goose. So I'm with Russ at a lot of. Why, why haven't you changed your professional name to just the goose? The I goose. feel like you should do that. The goose. I mean, work for for uh, what's his name? MC Five, whatever it is. Uh, uh, yeah. Mc- All right, we're moving along. All right. Uh, so real quick, I'm going to my this is no joke. Bill is again. All right, Rob. Uh, okay, so wrap it up. Um, uh, I I agree with most of what Russ said. I, having watched all these movies for this assignment, this is, in my opinion, the strongest film. I think it's directed by a real director who's who really understood the material. He's intelligent. He understands movies. I, I would probably give it the Phil thing that, yeah, there's a little bit of some 90s cinematography in there. It's maybe not um, the most dazzling visually, but it is pretty good. Um, the explorations of class and race and the historical consequences of slavery in this movie are pretty exceptional for some horror movie written by Clive Barker. Yeah. I did not expect that. Um, I remember, it seems to me before, I remember that it was sophisticated. It did use its villain and, um, or I guess you can call him a villain. Uh, it, it, it did use the, the plot of the movie to explore those themes. And, and I must say, watching it again, I was pretty impressed at what it was doing. Um, not only that, but I love all the urban legend stuff, that it was an urban legend and that it was rooted in those kind of um, ideas of, of slavery and, and class and race. So all that was pretty impressive. And I felt like points to what Barker Barker's biggest strengths are is that his movies are about something. They're not just horror movies. He's He's pushing on ideas. And so this one I thought had an intelligent enough director who knew how to kind of 
tell a story that's still a really cool horror movie, but doesn't abandon and explores its themes. It's like the Rawhead Rex thing that like we were talking about. Like, man, you bring up, like, you know, whether or not this guy's a god or, like, all these kind of sexual ideas or whatever. And the filmmakers are clearly not equipped to actually, like, explore those ideas. Rose is a person who understands those ideas and can still make a really strong film. This um, is a dangerous movie. Yeah, that's I mean, a you, cool way to put it. It's a I mean, movie. yeah, and it, but it, I think what's great is you can watch it as a horror movie, or you can watch how he smuggled in all these really smart, interesting ideas. Yeah. Um, I did really want to point this out. Why is he called Candyman? And there's no fucking candy in this movie. <laughs> there I is mean, candy like, in the movie. Is there? Yeah, when she goes into the there's room, you've got like little candy, candy bars. Is that what it is? Raisins. 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 I did not yeah. even remember that. It comes down to like like it was sweet with the honey. Yeah, because they they coated his body in honey. Is that what it was? The weakest part of the movie is the Candyman's backstory. Yeah. Whatever. Todd is great. Shout out to Virginia Madison and Xander Berkeley and most of the cast. The acting is the best of any of the It's exceptional. They're real. I mean, like, Virginia Madison is a real deal actress. She is fucking great in this movie. And she's better than most actresses in a lot of fucking horror movies. Um, Except for the smoking. So much smoking. I, I know. It was the 90s. We were all smoking. I mean, um, Xander Berkeley, who plays her like boyfriend, who is like the, husband. the most famous wormy guy, guy character actor. And I love him. The dude was fucking other girls before the credits even started. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I, like, I mean, that guy was cheating from the get Xander Berkeley is a great actor. And by the way, early appearance by Ted Raimi. Of course. I, I want to point out. And, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did, I did have that on my notes, which was when we think of a motorcycle riding bad boy, we all think of Ted Raimi. I know. I, no. I, I just um, <laughs> he he was totally the Brando of his time. Yeah, uh, I I wanted to uh, give a special mention to the first appearance of Candyman in the movie is in this parking garage. Um, I was very struck by that scene. Um, I didn't remember it at all. I haven't seen the movie in years and years, and I didn't remember how Candyman shows up. And they talk about it and they build to him, and he shows up in the scene, and it's very hallucinatory. And it's in this, it's in daylight. It's yeah. not like at night. He's like a monster or whatever. It's really amazing. He shows up, and then what I didn't remember is he shows up, and it's it's again like surreal. And then it cuts, and she wakes up in this apartment, and she's covered in blood, and they're screaming about the baby being missing, and she's like defend. Her life with this uh, meat cleaver, it's insane. Yeah. It's a batshit moment. It, it transcends almost most of the scenes in the Barker stuff. Like, I can imagine him writing it and that working in a book. Nothing in his movies was quite like that, and Bernard Rose just kills it. It's a, it's a really terrific sequence. And the movie doesn't shy away from the ambiguity of it. It's bizarre, it's weird, and we just, it doesn't derail the movie. You're like, what? What the fuck? Yeah. You just go with it because it's so well done. Madsen is uh, so good in it. Um, so, anyways, I just want to give that a special shout-out. And um, overall, I would say that, like I said, this is probably the best movie we watched I for me. I just can't believe how much I'm agreeing with the summer. I know. This, this is, like, this is like, like, like real. I feel like I am in, like, this alternate universe right now because the Summers Brothers are making really good points. But, wow. Because <laughs> well, that's usually, in, in this universe, their points suck. <laughs> no, no, they always make good points. I just don't always I just don't agree, agree with, with them. Well, you know why? And I think it speaks to how good a movie Candyman is. Yeah. And it's, it's a really... 
good. It's so good that the Summers Brothers can make good points about well, it. Well, <laughs> y'all are going to get mad at me right now because oh damn it! I'm sorry. This is going to crush everybody's hopes and expectations. But I fucking love Lord of Illusions, guys. Okay, we'll get to that. Is that next? I, All yeah, right, is our segue to Lord of Illusions? Let me just the much hated okay, trivia. trivia. Okay, let's no, just do I it. Like the trivia. Don't take too long. I like long. the trivia. Let's I keep like it going. Oh, okay. This is based on Barker's short story, The Forbidden, from the In the Flesh collection, which great name known as in America, but in England it was Books of Blood, uh, Volume Four, where it was set in England originally. And uh, like I said, the graffiti whole thing. Um, uh, Eddie Murphy was the original. That was I mean, that seems like I'm that sure they wanted him. That was never going to happen. No. There were two different stories about why they didn't. One was he was too expensive, and one was he was too short. And the other one is he was never going to do this. He movie. was never going to do this. Tony Todd's like eight, nine feet tall. It doesn't matter. He, uh, so the best story here is that like all the bee scenes, right? Like they actually put real bees that were bred. For this movie specifically, because they were like this type of bee that, like, as in a youthful form, were a lot bigger, but weren't as dangerous. Stingy? Yeah, as stingy. The real bees were put into his mouth when they shot this. He had a mouth guard there uh, that kept them from going down their throat, but he was stunned 23 times during the length of the Jeez, whole trip. They literally put a spider on an actress's eye and they put bees in this guy's mouth. It's yeah. some bullshit, The man. 90s were a different time. Did you actually use spiders? No, I had an animated fucking spider. Oh, that's anyway. that's oh. bullshit. Okay, they they on. Put hey. some people. What I'll on. let you put a spider in my throat. Cox, man, focus. <laughs> All right, next, we have Lord of Illusions Woo! from 1995. Based on the short story, The Last Illusion, that was published in America with the collection that went with Cabal, which is what Nightbreed was right. based yeah. on, which had, I think, two other stories with it? I can't remember um. exactly. But uh, I guess it's my turn to tell the story here. I guess it did. Give it to Patience. She loves this movie. No, she already did it. All right, she already that's fine. Did it. All right, so we see in the beginning here that in uh, 1982, there's this guy named Nix who has gathered a cult. He's a big cult leader, and he's planning to sacrifice a, a teenage girl. He's calling himself the Puritan. And it's very clear early on the guy's a proper magician. Not an illusionist, as the title would have, but actually has real powers. Uh, and uh, these ex-cult members show up with a group, like a, a hardcore sort of like Carpenter's, John Carpenter's vampire type group, to stop him there. Uh, I'm sorry, didn't it feel like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It totally did. Uh, and they manage to stop him and save the girl, and they do a bunch of like culty stuff to like, uh, like magic stuff with like a headgear type thing and screws and using their own blood to like to keep him from having power. So it's like, flash to 13 years old later, and you we introduce New York City private detective Harry Damore. Horrible name, by the way. No, but it's the most ever, like, in terms of, like... Uh, <laughs> Gumshoes. Uh, film noir style. Yeah. No, 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 not even film noir, of, like, uh, urban horror, which is kind of a thing now. Like, that's, like, the most urban horror name ever. It's just, like, it's oh a horrible God. name. Yeah, but... Damore. And, and, and played by, like, you know, the, the very likable television actor, Scott Bakula, but who has never been a theatrical actor, Scott Bakula. Like, never made that transfer to, like, you're a convincing film I'm actor. You're a convincing... I think of it less that than that he never got the right. He didn't get the movie. But he's in a cult. Me too, man. I fucking love that guy. He's an occult detective who gets 
pulled Quantum into this Leap. whole thing um, as one of the, the people that we see in the early part here, uh, uh, Swan, has become this Chris Angel level type like magician. The only thing is we're kind of the idea from the beginning. It's like, it's not all illusion. This guy's using real magic. And there's a lot of stuff of like, wait, but that's the thing you don't do. It's all just illusion. There's a lot of like illusion versus magic as he realizes after a failed magic trick where Swan dies, that maybe Swan isn't actually dead, and there's a lot of shit coming for him. There's a reason that the guy might fake his own death, if indeed he did. He has to deal with the magic castle in L.A., which made me super happy, first off. That still, part was cool. That's on my bucket list, go to the magic castle, for sure. Like, I'm still mad at Brian Brushwood that he got to do that, and I didn't. Um, and... Uh, and then, like, yeah, basically him becoming, getting involved with uh, Famke Jansen as the ex-wife of Swan, or the widow of Swan, who is way ready to move on, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Almost immediately. Yeah, all just, like, with well, seconds. Well, Scott is a much better looking person than Swan. He really is. I mean, especially when he was wearing that fake pedo stash. Uh, but the whole was, thing like, really is crazy. coming down to the fact that this guy, this cult leader, is prophesied to come back. And it looks like he's probably going to. And Swan wants out. Everybody wants out. But how do you stop this fucking thing? And it, and I feel like this is kind of a precursor to a lot of literature more than film. You know? Like a lot of book series that have come out Like since. the Dresden Files. Like the Dresden Files yeah. that are very like this. The occult detective type series. Of like, it feels very much like... This is much yeah, more important as a film in context of that than it is in context of later films, because there's not a lot of later films that resemble this. But anyway, by all means. Patience, you love it, so tell us why you I love it. I absolutely love this film. I don't even know why I love this film so much, um, to be honest with you. I love Scott Bakula's character. I just, I that whole film noir, like paranormal detective that Chris is alluding to I think is amazing I I was actually I remember watching this film as a young lass that I was at one point in time and I was super still are thank you I was super traumatized because this was <laughs> one of the first films I ever saw that had like self mutilation as part of it one of its main ideas and then Literally, like, when Nyx um, drowns his cult followers in the ground, yeah. at one point, like, I... Quicksands them. Yeah, he quicksands... That's a good... Uh, yeah, quicksands them. I literally thought that was one of the craziest things I had ever seen. It's like, a disturbing moment. It's a super disturbing moment. And, and a dick I move, once absolutely <laughs> It's a rawhead Rex well, kind of move. Right? Yeah. Exactly. But otherwise, um, on a rewatch, I was like, oh, shit. Like, I maybe have really bad taste because the CGI in this film, holy crap. Okay, different era. You can't yeah, get out I of know, that. That's 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 like, Triangle Glass Man was, like, I always have to hold off awful. and go, like, okay, there's a point, like, maybe it was a bad decision to go with CGI rather than another thing, but when I there, saw was this, there was this 10-year period of, like, we're so excited about I CGI know. and what we can do now. Of where, like, 99% of the time Okay, but the problem with this movie is that there's so many things that they did right. 
And then there's so many like but, special effects things that they did. That's but what it is. But but when I saw this in the theater when I was a kid, it the was fucking amazing. special effects were amazing. It was amazing. But just just in like was that there was that like uh, that, that Sherlock Holmes one, the young Sherlock oh, Holmes John one. That's the first CGI thing. Yeah, and you see that and it looks stupid as shit today, but when you watch it, it looks amazing when you saw in context. Okay, so do you like Lord of Illusions, Phil? Oh, are you done? Sorry, I didn't mean Yeah, I'm pretty much done. Um, I like 50% of it, meaning, like, <laughs> I really, really, really like the concept of, like, film noir meeting horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was sure. really fucking yeah. cool. I, I really think the movie loses all of its mystery about, I don't know, an hour into it. Loses all fucking mystery at all, and it just becomes like, hey, the earth keeps cracking open, and oh, you keep getting slammed against walls, no fireballs are flying at you. And it became the same thing over and over again the last, like, you know, 40 minutes of the movie is just an action sequence about Scott Bakula trying to stay alive. It's another example of a Clyde Barker idea that is Doesn't, that his dark fantasy that would have made a great TV show. Yeah. But maybe as a movie yeah. it was too rough. And, and I will say this. I know we did like the uh, the Stephen King one not too long ago. Yeah. And they both have their, their flaws for not, you know, landing endings, I guess. But to me, it's like I actually appreciate like a lot of what Clyde Barker does more just because – it, it really does lend itself to a vast universe. Like, there's so many other things you can do inside of that where this would make a great TV show. Trying to figure out who this Nick's guy is, what's the murder, what's the mystery, what's going on, oh, is it real like magic? His mythology? In a TV show, yes. Not in a two-hour fucking movie where it makes no sense, yes. It's, it's, it's an interesting critique. I think that it's this almost too way ambitious more in some way, yeah. All of this stuff is way too ambitious where there's like three like subplots mm-hmm. in every fucking movie yeah. and it needs to have one. Yeah. And, and you know what? I can't falls him on that. I mean, as TVs become more and more popular and more and more like budgets are being thrown that way. We're in the golden age. He's going to, he's yeah. going to, I'm telling you, Clyde Barker's going to be bigger than, than Stephen King if they start redoing his stuff. If they actually start focusing yeah. on the fact that Clyde Barker is possibly the greatest idea guy for yeah. TV shows, a horror TV shows well, ever. For mythology. And, it yeah. hasn't happened yet. It's going know. to. It's going to. I think it will too. Yeah. Uh, is, is that it? Is that it? Oh, okay. Uh, Lord of Revolution. So in my notes here, I have that this is this movie is about a dude who wears sweet '90s vests. He does. And occasionally <laughs> solve supernatural mysteries. I feel like he wore did not have a shirt on a lot of the time. Like Scott, hey, I'm not complaining. Made. '90s Scott Bakula. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's, that hairy chest. His chest hair was groomed perfectly. <laughs> perfectly groomed chest he's a hair. Serious chunk of man. At one point in my notes, I was like, "Put your shirt on." <laughs> no, come on, not. There was a point. I just wanted Jeffrey Combs to show up for them to have any antagonistic but friendship relationship based on my experience with him on Enterprise. So that's it. Nerd. <laughs> Nerd alert. Nerd. 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 Moving along. That's the best thing about Enterprise. I'm uh, just saying. Uh, okay, so uh, I did want to say I do think this movie has a really great opening. Um, which yeah. I think we've we've sort of touched on with the 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 group coming in to foil the cult. To, yeah, to foil the cult. Um, I will say the leader of the cult is uh, a really great character actor whose name escapes me, but he plays Mr. Kruger on Seinfeld. Yes, so it's very distracting. It like is. every time I watch this, I think they're going to go in and take down Mr. Kruger from Seinfeld. So <laughs> it's uh, whatever. Uh, I love uh, Scott Bakula. I, I think he's a great choice for the lead. Um, I, she. I just don't think he can carry no, the seriousness see, I just, of this. I know. I, I just disagree with that. I think I the movie doesn't deploy him correctly. It feels like the beginning of a TV thing instead of an actual. Mm-hmm. Well, like I actually like him a lot, but I think the seriousness of what like a real gumshoe mixed in a horror world is. 
I felt he was too much like Mother's Cookies. Like, he was just too... Mother's kind. Cookies? What, like, what, like, is felt like, what is that? I don't get that at all. Me- meaning, like, he just felt, like, too just fucking, like, Mother's sweet cookies? and, like... like Comforting, he like comforting. he's a TV star. Yeah, he just didn't feel like he, he had the grit. Wholesome. He didn't have the grit that I needed to, like, I don't think the off. movie has a lot of grit. But not just that, his name alone... I mean, Scott Bakken should have played a guy named Harry Demore. Demore. Like, Demore. Uh, what's mean, his face from the Demore Delatante? Yeah. Angel Hart? No, the one that we just did oh. for the oh, Demore. Demore, Demore. Demore. Yeah, Demore. Yeah, they, that's right. Okay. But yeah, whatever. I just didn't think he had the grit to play the character. But that was in a personal note. There, you know, I, mean, I like him, though. I, I think he's one of those most likable TV actors who is not likable enough to be a movie actor. It's Russ's turn. No, no I'm sorry. Okay. I, I mean, I get, I do get y'all's point. I guess I just disagree with it. I Again, I, as I think Rob and I sort of said earlier... I think, you know, I think if the movie had been a little bit stronger and the character had been a little bit stronger, then I feel like uh, uh, Bakula would have sort of taken over that role a little bit more. And I think all of us are sort of in agreement that the movie is something that does not quite succeed and you really want it to. It's a great idea with the detective solving the supernatural mystery, um, the cult leader, the the allusions to the sort of world of magic. And I, I think all that is really great. And I think the movie itself sort of fails. It's definitely the least of, of Barker's three directorial efforts. And I don't know if that contributed to why he didn't make any other movies. Um, so that's, that's disappointing. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say that I thought was sort of interesting was Bakula is hired. I'm sorry. I can't remember his detective name. Harry um, Del, 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 whatever. He, he is hired, um, <laughs> to solve this insurance fraud thing. And he goes to solve that. And then he's following that guy, and that guy inadvertently leads him into this mystery. Yep. And he completely abandons the job <laughs> that he was originally sent to Los Angeles to do, and it never comes back again. Yeah. And I thought that that no was... No one ever goes your shitty Yeah, your no one's ever like, hey, man, you know that thing I sent you to L.A. for? <laughs> like, I paid you yeah, for? I paid for your hotel room for? Like, maybe you want to solve that? He just totally forgets about it, and it never comes back. Um... You, you leave story and plot and character motivations out of Clyde Barker. <laughs> Clyde Barker. Clyde Barker yeah, he doesn't give a fuck. Don't hold him to that stuff. Yeah. Uh, like I've said that three times now. And it's yeah. a really good point. And we are we're agreeing on, with you. We're on Phil's side now. Go <laughs> Team Phil. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I just wanted to say uh, also the, the motivations of uh, the cult leader and his um, relations to uh, uh, Swan. Is Swan the magician? Yeah. Swan is the magician. Um, that that they wanted what he basically wanted to do was destroy the world until it was nothing, but then also like hang out with his bro. And, and you're also kind of like, wait, wait, but you're like, okay, so why are you wanting? I always feel like, why do you want to destroy the world? I never understand he that wants either. To bring yeah. about a world of pain, I, but it's like I want to bring about the end of the oh. world. And then I want to hang out with my boy, Swan. Yeah, and it, it's a weird, like, I guess... I, I robbed this point on several movies, like The Void being one of them. Yeah. Like, why does this guy just want to destroy the fucking world? Why? Yeah. And they never care. Why are we caring I now? mean, I, I don't have a problem with where some world. god from the Endless Void or something who wants to do it. But 
but if it's like, or that's possessed someone, but it's just some dude who's like, yeah, I'm destroy the world. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, oh, I live like, here. Really? What? Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> live there. What are you gonna do? Let's you, see where you eat, man. Do you yeah. have a whole plan you for where you're like, like, what are y'all gonna do? You and your buddy, y'all are just gonna hang out in the black void for like <laughs> millions of years and just Sounds like eventually. <laughs> yeah, remember when there was stuff to do? Yeah, there was like I don't understand, and it was weird we that you destroyed all the TVs. Yeah, yeah, no, they're like, no, dude, we have Netflix. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be fine. I don't know. That, that honestly, sort of... if like I was that guy, and the, I was like, they gave me a convincing argument to destroy everything. We're like, you have Netflix. I'm like, believe me, the rest of eternity would not be enough to catch up. So, so, um, <laughs> I'll just go through mine really quick because I think you guys covered almost everything. And in the interest of time, I'll try and keep it brief. I have seen this movie quite a few times. Saw it in the theater when it came out. Um, I am sad that this is the last movie that Clive Barker directed, and it looks like we'll probably ever direct. Maybe. I think he may have really grown. I would like to have seen the last twenty-two years for him to have directed a lot more movies. I, I hundred and ten agree with you, and that's something that I've said over and over again. Rob and I talked about extensively, which was I for, for as flawed as Barker's films were, he he really was this interesting talent, and I would like to have seen. Four or five movies more. I think he would have grown as a director. Um, I will say, though, as Russ said, of the three, this is the least of his movies for me. Um, I just... It, it is the bones of a great idea. And I think, obviously, we've just covered that. Like, the idea of this sort of, uh, uh, a, a, like, occult detective, you know, finding this magician and, and his former uh, mentor who were, you know, dabbling in the apocalypse... I mean, that's a movie I want to see. You know, especially Famke Jansen and 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 Scott Bakula. I'm like, that, that sounds interesting. That sounds like a great movie. The movie is and kind of, it's just not that great. It's kind of dull. It's kind of forgettable. Um, but it, it, it starts sucks. off interesting. It, it does. It starts with the cult shows up and it's like 1987, and you're like, this is really interesting. And they show up to kind of foil. And and again, there's the bones of a really great movie. Yeah. And I, but I. I don't think the script's there, number one. I just don't think it's a great story. I just don't think it's a great movie. Uh, uh, Barker's direction is is pretty journeyman. There's nothing exceptional about it. It's certainly nowhere near as memorable as Nightbreed or Hellraiser in any way. Um, it just, it's, just, it's just not a great movie. It's just okay. It's fine. I wish it was more fun. I just don't think it's that... I mean, like you were saying, like, about halfway through the movie, I just kind of lose interest. You know, I, I wait for it to be exciting or fun or scary or, or weird or, or transgressive or, or interesting, and it just, it, it just, like, evaporates. I just, yeah. like... I honestly... We're talking about this movie, and you guys are bringing up plot points, and I'm like, I barely remember that was in the movie. And yeah, I saw this totally movie, like, great. a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so, it's an unfortunate uh, capper to his career. I wish he had... I mean, in 20 years, I wish he directed, like, three or four he more movies. He's actually involved in a, a deal that's been talked about on and off the last two years about, like, moving on and doing more stuff like this. So, But I'm yet to see green lights with I anything. mean, I think if this so. guy went out there and had a Kickstarter, I mean, he would. He could make a $3 million, $4 million movie immediately. He should make another Hellraiser I or something like that. I think he should full-on go into television. I, I think. think he should just be the auteur of his own works. Obviously, he enjoys doing that. But yeah. anyway, so, okay, yeah. we should move on to what's next. But I, yeah. I, I mean, I think that the ending of, of um, this movie definitely was terrible. It definitely <laughs> dropped the ball. 
ball, the, but the I don't think that it dropped the ball as much as our next movie, which is the Midnight Meat Train. I disagree. Yeah. I thought the is Midnight of, Meat Train the next movie. Midnight yeah, Nine. and that movie. I, no, I'm not saying I don't love Midnight Meat Train. It's a great movie, I do. but the last 20 minutes right. of this. You film, jumping ahead? Why don't you tell us what Midnight okay. Meat Train is about? So, the Midnight Meat Train stars uh, Bradley Cooper. Before fun. he's Bradley Cooper. Yeah, but still. It's, when he's just it's like the still, boyfriend from Alias. I yeah, mean, exactly. it's still Bradley Cooper. Can you Cooper. believe he was ever cast as the nerdy, not attractive guy yes. who has a, yes. a, a hanging yes. a, like, yes. love thing for the, the love? You know, you're like, did anyone ever look at him and go, yeah, you're he's an unattractive dreaming. nerd. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, Bradley so Cooper is a photographer who is trying to, you know, get his name. He's an artiste. And um, he goes through the, the city at night. I, I, I think I presume it's, it's supposed to take place in New York City, although I believe it was shot in L.A., um, even though it was supposed to be originally be shot in Toronto. There, almost every movie that's supposed to be in any other city is right. either in L.A. or, or Toronto. Toronto. Yeah, or Montreal mm-hmm. or whatever. Not anymore. Um, so now he, it's Atlanta and New Orleans. Or New Orleans, yeah. Right? New Mexico. He, he comes upon this um, girl who is uh, being... Um, almost getting raped by these gangbangers, and he starts taking pictures, he rescues her, but he finds out that she ends up disappearing. She's a famous model. And he starts going down this rabbit hole of trying to figure out what happened to her, and he comes upon this butcher, um, whose name is Mahogany, I believe, um, played by Vinnie motherfucking Jones. Jasper trying to have a film career. Literally, I mean, I'm sorry. This guy... I'm sorry, am I wrong? You're not wrong, but he's amazing, even Uh. though he literally has one word in this whole entire film. And the second film in a row he was in that he had one word. It's one one word word too many, as far as I'm concerned. I thought Vinnie Jones did a great job. He's a a great face actor. And that wasn't a criticism of him in this movie from me, I'm just pointing out. It was for me. So he starts stalking Vinnie Jones, and um, is it too early for me to say hijinks and sue? It is never too early to say hijinks and sue. Okay, so one of the things I absolutely love, 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 love about this movie was, I mean, it's 2008, and here we have just an fucking gore fest. I mean, this movie is definitely the absolute goriest movie, other than maybe a torture porn movie, that I have ever seen. It's, it's, of all these films we're talking about, it's by far... And, and like, or an exploitation film. Yeah. I mean, this is just, like, gushing with blood. Uh, it's glorious. Mm. Even though I'm not a fan of the ending, unlike Chris, this I, movie... I love the ending. I absolutely... Cool. I love I mean, how... Oh, uh, really? Are you with me on what? the ending? Okay, wait, wait, wait. We're oh, jumping whoa. ahead. Stay focused. Stay focused. I'm sorry. I'm just shocked. All right, let's... Like, Somebody else, because like traditionally, fan critics have come down on this great movie, except the ending. So I was shocked anybody agrees with me. Well, about there's the just some things that don't make any sense, like the fact that Vinny Jones's character, like at one point, he's like, it's. I mean, it's evident that he's getting sick in in some way. Yeah. But there's like he's cutting like barnacles, barnacles off of himself. They uh, never I mean, explain they never, it. Thank yeah. you, but Russ. why does it need exp- explanation? Because I want to know what the fuck is going on. But like, I, think, I don't need things spelled out to me, but that was just I, like I agree really because, weird. Because I feel like there there's good stuff in sort of a horror movie or art house horror where you, you have this sort of interesting element and you don't need to explain it. 
This just felt like an oversight. This okay. So on a scale of one to Ghosts of Mars, I give this a four as far as plot goes. Like this, it just there's so many questions that I oh I love, don't I look at me like that. She Summers had to go Brothers. real far to find a way to give the Summers Brothers shit for Ghosts uh, of Mars for that. Did she? I don't know if she had to go far at all. There's so many questions that I was left with. Like okay, so one of the cops is in on it. Does that mean everybody's in on it? Is the mayor in on no, it? No, I don't. Like I don't. Yes. That's a weird I don't get that. Mm. I don't no, get that. You don't get that? Because it's like certain people are in on it. Why is that so like why does it have to be like everyone's in on it? Oh, it's like no certain But I mean just I mean there's this it just happens to be the one cop that they went to I, for or the like, one cop support. who intentionally wasn't like taking the case. Oh well okay. That's well, just why? Why is why? he why is he doing that? And then that? why do they have superhuman powers? Like why is the conductor and the butcher have superhuman powers? Like none of that is explained. No, because like, there's like, there is a very like Barker esque slash Lovecraftian thing of like there's this mm. ancient race existing underneath there like... that imbue people with powers I to don't do know. to feed them this whole because that's the whole basis of the thing. It's like there's this, this existing like culture culture. That's a weird way to say it. Like they've got their own internet. All right. Um, <laughs> I just think that in <laughs> I mean, so wait, let, let's finish this finish. So final so, thoughts are I just feel like in other Barker movies there's this continuity that we do not get in Midnight Meat Train. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is one of I mean I'm not saying I don't like the movie. I think that Bradley Cooper is amazing. I think that Leslie Bibb is amazing. Even Brooke Shields I mean, come on. She's yeah, what like, a surprising Yeah, appearance. it was a really great role She's for really her. good in it. Vinnie yeah. Jones, unfortunately, seconds. I think is amazing. But I just think that there's some continuity issues here. I like the blood. But okay. I just think plot points are weak. So, Chris? Yeah, I just... I, I First off, I think Bradley Cooper is so good in this film. But he is not the high point of this movie in and of itself. Uh, director uh, Raihue, I don't know if I'm saying that just, right. Just butcher it. We'll, uh, Kitamura, Japanese director who ha himself has done several really good films like Versus and Alive and Azumi uh, and Godzilla Final Wars, which is, I'm sorry to Matt Frank, is my favorite of all the Godzilla films. You don't apologize for that shit, Chris. I'm sorry. Godzilla Final Wars is like that. Fuck it! Godzilla <laughs> movie. It's all on. It's everything at once. Uh -huh. uh, I actually really like him as a director, and he made Me a too. film here that is so foreboding and dark and just constantly makes you test your own limits, even as a horror fan, what you're willing to see and deal with, like, and creates a mythology in a very uh, Lovecraft slash Barkarian sort of, is that Barkarian? Is it connected? Yeah, yeah, no, no, I like it. I like it. Barkarian. Sort of sense, like, I, the way this film just constantly delves darker and darker into this world, my only issue at all is just that there's... I'm usually the guy who goes, every white person in a horror movie makes stupid decisions. I'm like, yeah, I would totally do that. And here I'm like, no, I would not do that. <laughs> uh, but I, but they give you enough from the character of Bradley Cooper. You're like, okay, I can kind of see why you're the guy who would keep going down this particular rabbit hole. You seem convincing in the character you He's kind of here. like the Nightcrawler of, you know, 2008. For sure. Yeah, or the, exactly. or, or, uh, or the, the, was it, the Night Stalker, even. And, and yes, oh, yeah, yeah, Kojak, oh, the yeah. Night Stalker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just full credit to, like, like, all the, there's so many great decisions in this film. Like, there's this fight between 
uh, Vinnie Jones yeah. and, and uh, Bradley Cooper towards the end where it goes outside the train and around it. And, like, there's just all these really great visual things happening in this movie where I'm like, there's nothing else like this in Clyde Barker's filmography. And I found it incredibly, like, daring and fascinating to watch. And as as a person, yeah, I guess I... I, I hate to attach this term to myself, but to some extent, I'm a gore hound. I love this the gore. is the yeah. gore here is spectacular. It's really beautiful. There's a few exceptions. Mm. There's moments where they went with CG because it's, cl- but I forgive it because the director had a vision. Mm-hmm. Was like, I really feel like this is a particular thing I want to establish. There's no way you could do without CG. And I forgive it because of that. I'm like, I get what you're going for in the time this came out. But I, other than that, I, I really, and they it's went with practical, they went with practical wherever they could. And it is, it's a total bloodbath. This is a deeply disturbing film that I love by the end. Feel, it never feels like a film that's setting up a mythology until the third act. And then I love that that's that. It's a surprise yeah. that it's Phil setting up a right, so, film. So I, I feel like this is probably the most like commercial of Clive Barker's stories. Uh, More than Candyman? For sure. Like, Candyman could have fallen on his face and dealt with a lot of, like, racial issues as well. This one's just a straight-up, like, hey, here's a train. Hey, you've got to feed creatures living in another dimension. Hey, but here's a story. But the factor doesn't... It's super yeah. commercial, though. It's a super commercial idea that you could pitch to, like, somebody it's in the certainly, elevator. It, without a doubt, quickly. this is the... This is the most visually beautiful film of any, like, as, as far as, like, it's, I think there's beautiful stuff in, 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 in Hellraiser and Nightbreed, but this is, like, the slickest, most accomplished directing of any of any of the movies. This is the one story that you could tell me in, like, five minutes, and I go, oh, I get your story. I cool, agree. I'm in. It's a really great pitch. Hellraiser, I'm like, wait, a guy's in the attic, and he's dead, but he's not dead. There's a box, and he comes back, because somebody <laughs> bleeds. And I'm like, try to explain that to me. I'm not going to get it. This, I get really quickly. And, sense. uh... And I, and I like I it. I mean, a great explanation. I know that I, really is. Though. Well, a lot of his stuff is super like complex. There's like you know sub story on sub. There's no elevator. There's no elevator. pitch. This one is the one that has an elevator pitch to it, and I'm like, I get it. It's high concept. It's cool. I agree. Um, and I mean, I read all of his books of blood, and I like those more than the actual movies. Um, this one, I liked because I read the story, and then I saw them make it, and I go, oh. I mean, it, it's pretty much. How you would make the movie. I mean, there's not much more you could do to like, not make it what it's written. So, mm-hmm. I like it. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not like, so also, so now, now, if you're yeah, yeah, with yeah, me. Yeah, I thought, like, it felt like you were really digging it. I like, like it's fine. It. It's fine. I mean, on my top 100, it's not on there. Right. I would agree. I mean, but I enjoy it. So where would you put it as opposed to the other Barker movies that we watched? Like Lord of Illusions, Hellraiser. Only on the Barker list. No, there is no See, this is why we're talking on the Barker list, number three. Nice. Well, wow, Lord of Illusions number four. Way higher than I thought. It's Lord better than Lord of Illusions. Illusions. What's, what's Lord your first Illusions two? Lord of number four? Oh, I, I, would, I would put... Uh, Hell, no, Hellraiser, then Nightbreed, then this, okay. then more. Oh, I would not have thought Nightbreed was higher I than this. Would not have I would only, only because of what it spawned and what it could be. Okay. I see potential in Nightbreed. My thing is I may have talked shit about it. I see potential in it, which is why everyone loves it. For the potential, I'm only criticizing the story. I'm sure, weird. this is my number one out of, out of all of these. Midnight of all the movies we watched, this is number Holy one. Yep. Even the one Sparker directed himself. I think this is the most perfect adaptation. Even more than Rawhead Rex. Ooh, Rawhead Rex. I think that answers itself. 
All right, Russ, your thoughts? I'm going to do a version of Rawhead Rex where it's just a dick. Just <laughs> I mean, a dick. that was the, that was the whole point. <laughs> yeah. All right, Russ. Uh, wow. I don't, that's tough to follow, Phil. I man. feel like a dick walking around killing people should make the sound. And that's why these podcasts are two hours. Hey, guys. All right, Russ, go ahead. You want to die? That's Fat Albert. Fat turned into a dick. Okay. You want me to put my dick claws in you? Oh, my God. This episode is brought to you by Celis. I'm super uncomfortable at this point. Okay, Russ, tell me your thoughts. Come to the afterlife. This is dick monster. Oh, my Fat Albert dick monster. Fat Chris. You know what? I'm going to put a stop to this. Yeah, Russ. We're doing this. We're re-editing the movie. Yeah, God, let's re-edit this podcast. We don't need another... <laughs> okay, focus up. Okay. Let's make this thing less than an hour Russ. and a half. That's uh, not going to happen. Russ, <laughs> <laughs> He's literally wearing a dick costume right now. If you want to know. Oh my god, this is. Just... I don't mean to be a cock. <laughs> <laughs> this is funny. It's hard to tell. This is. This is. This is. Okay, okay. Shit. Cox, are you done? Because uh, I, I literally don't want to stop the guy named Cox from being a giant dick. I'm done. Who's speaking in the Fat Albert voice. Totally done. Oh, my I'm fucking... I, we got to move on. Okay, we got to move on. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, I'm just going to... Okay. Yeah, okay. Over. I just want to apologize to our, our listeners. I really do. Really, yeah, do. I really do. I really do. Okay. Uh, we're wasting drinking. time at this point. It's dead air. All right. Moving along. <laughs> As it were. Uh, I find uh, Midnight Meat Train. Um, I did want to say uh, Cooper. I mean, I, I first saw this movie when it first came out. I literally had to travel. It, it opened in the Dollar Theater, um, and I, I went to go see it. And I did say we we went to go see it. Sorry, and, and, and we were inverted. We we and we, we sorry inverted. went to it's from Top, top, top Gun. Gun. We were inverted. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Phil got it. I got it. Okay. Um, everybody got up a Chris. I wanted to point that out. Um, <laughs> oh God, I'm the guy who hasn't watched Top Gun for a long time. What a all right, so moving on. Um, what I wanted to say was, uh, I did remember when I watched it. I did think to myself, "Wow, that Bradley Cooper guy. He's 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 a movie yeah, star. He's a fucking movie star. He's a movie star." And a year later, of course, he was in The Hangover, and it was off to the races. So that that was really interesting. Um, Vinnie Jones, on the other hand, I gotta I gotta say, I'm real glad his moment has passed. Yeah, um, I I just. I think he's a black hole of charisma. Uh, he seems like a guy who would try and beat you up in a bar. Um, I never really liked him. I don't think he's particularly compelling. He's sort of, I would like to say, a midnight meathead. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. You've been practicing that for That's like right. I wrote weeks. that and underlined it in my notebook. There's a weird sort of like boxers and other, other sports guys, not actors. Wrestlers? I, I just – I have to say Jones in this movie is is definitely – I just – he's not a very interesting bad guy. I just – I feel like they could have gotten an actual real actor in that part and it would have been a lot more compelling. Um, uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, I do think, unfortunately, uh, Leslie Bibb yeah. um, is, is better than the material. I think she gets sort of saddled with this sort of nagging buzzkill role, um, which She's is unfortunate. She's always going to be the sister on Lost to me. The incestuous sister on Lost. She's not. She's not the unlost. sister on Lost. Yes, she was. No, 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 she was on Las Vegas, right? No, no. she was. I'm gonna win the, this argument. The, so the daughter, 
The, the daughter from Taken. The daughter from Taken is, is the, the sister, sister on Lost. Well, you guys finish because because we both know the answer to this, and I'm sort of irritated. We have to stop. I can't believe we have to stop and talk about this. I thought for sure she was the girl. From I'm gonna Lost. let Chris keep looking this up, and I'm gonna go on with my you're fucking right, review. You're right. I'm sorry. All right. Somebody make that into a recorded yeah, loop. There should okay. be a whole podcast just about how I'm wrong about that. That would be great. Okay, well, let's stay focused. Um, I think that it's an okay horror. I'm in for the record. Whenever you're ready. I'm ready. Whenever you're ready. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I think that it's an okay horror film. Um, I think there's some good dialogue, some good scenes. As Rob said, I think it's a pretty slick movie. It's very well directed. Um, So it definitely sort of rises above most of the other uh, movies we talked about on the the Barker podcast. I don't think it's particularly scary. Uh, I think it's sort of undercooked and overlong. and uh, I, again, I was super irritated by the weird thing with the chest thing that they never Thank you. explained. It goes nowhere. Well, uh, I mean, it was super, and the jars, like, it's just it weird. Just, it's, it's just, just like, weird and gross for no it, reason. It's, it's like, it doesn't do it in an interesting I way. It doesn't. I about that. It feels like it's just, like, elements of that sort of, like, like that creepiness leading into the I, fact I feel that like you thing. like the movie, and I feel yeah. like you had sort of a, a moment of religion with the movie, so you accept that. I, on the other hand, did not, Fair and enough. I just... I just it just bothered the shit out of me, so I you know I kind of picked that apart. Um, the ending sort of goes to this sort of grand Guggenau sort of thing, but I still thought it was pretty silly. By the time they get to the last sort of ten fifteen minutes, I just didn't care. I just was waiting for the movie to be over. Appreciate you, um, Russell. Thank you. I know I appreciate me too. And and I just <laughs> I I really just I feel like this movie's slightly better than than sort of. Um, straight to video and there's things I really like about it and certainly I appreciate why you guys really like it or respond to it because you know like I said it's a it feels like a real movie it's coherent um, other than the weird chess thing it 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 goes somewhere it's nicely shot it doesn't feel sort of shoddy and it has these really good actors in it I mean obviously it has one of the biggest movie stars in the last 10 years right before he broke and he's really good in it you see why he's going to be a movie well, star. apparently is proud of it because scenes from this appear in two other of the films yeah, he made Yeah, they have it on in the background of Silver Linings Playbook. I forgot the other one. There's another one where it plays as well. I mean, yeah. that feels a little slightly sort of ironic. But, it's but weird. I, but I Masturbatory. I, I really, I mean, I, I appreciate what you guys like about the movie. I, I have to say, and I, I don't know if you guys are going to hear this, I, I do feel it's not the most... Barker esque movie. I'd agree yeah, with that. I agree like if with you that. told me this was a if you if you hadn't told me this was a Clyde Barker movie, I don't know that I would have totally um, felt that. Except the for the ending, I think that the ending is very Barker with the mythology and the creatures and this like I, ancient evil. That's, that's and again and again from like looking it. at it from a retro standpoint. Yes, if you're like yes, this has all the Barker elements, but watching it. Overall, yep. as as a viewer, I, it didn't feel like a particularly, I, like, especially compared to the other movies you watched. In the I movie. both agree and I, not agree. I think that's yes. one of the things I love the most about it is that you don't know it. it if you were to, somebody went into this just a horror movie, whatever, you would never know it was a film that was a Barker that was going there. type story until it gets there. And I love that it's like, oh, it's this much bigger universe of things, which I think is exactly what a lot of the critics hated about it. And and I yeah. think what I I most hated about this movie was that Chris really liked it. So, <laughs> oh snap, Rob! All right, what did um, you think? I don't. You know what? In the interest of time, again, I'm going to echo a lot of what you guys have already covered. Um, 
<clears throat> we saw this movie in the theater. I was really excited about it. I mean, we went to the, it had a, unfortunately, it sounds like from what I read, a really piss poor release, and they released it mostly to discount theaters um, across the country. And Russ and I, were, Russ even, is, yeah, not even hundred theaters that mm-hmm. were all. Well, one of them was theaters. here in Austin, and the Summer yeah. Brothers were there like opening weekend. Like, fuck yeah, let's go, Midnight Meat Train. Um, <clears throat> I, I so Parker, young and naive. I know it, it is a little bit that way. Um, I. I want to meet those young. I know. Um, yeah, fuck those guys. <laughs> uh, again, I'm, I'm just going to echo a lot of what you guys said. I, I think the director, it's, the director they picked was interesting, and I thought he brought something to it. Um, I, I don't want to butcher his name. I feel bad that I don't know how to pronounce it correctly. I think butchering directors' names is a theme. Please. On this yeah, um, but, 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 right. I just did it. But, for I, you. but I think um, Ugh, he that terrible. He does. He no. Wait, Okay, so he he made. Well, I wonder. Well, we're not supposed to talk over each other, so I don't want to like. Yeah, yeah. We're um, trying to be good. Okay, so uh, I think he made an exceptional. Like I think he's an exceptional director. I think he's really visual and all that stuff. But at the same time, this movie looks like a Korean hitman movie. Like it looks like this slick, cool thing. And and Chris, every time we talked about this movie. We talked about it a couple times over some whiskey. Chris constantly brings up this like three sixty shot that goes outside the train. I love that or whatever. shot. And you keep you, – I remember I knew you were going to bring it up because you, you kept bringing it up and I was like, you're right. And I waited for it when I rewatched it because he brought it up and I hadn't rewatched it. And I watched it and I said, that is a fucking cool shot. It is not a very horror movie shot. And and I think that the guy did some – he's – it's it's fascinating to me that he he's really good at sort of the clever sort of show-off-y, film school-y um, shit. But what I really thought he excelled at and I wish the movie had dug into a little more was some of the stuff where like – he goes to talk to Brooke Shields and she talks about his art and she says like, go deeper. You're, you're onto something. And then that's a great scene. Right. And then like where he first sees Vinnie Jones and he's sort of sitting outside the train station. It's a very quiet moment. I was really struck by it. And he's sitting on the, on the bench and the, the camera just stays there and like wide shot. He sits there and he's kind of looking around and he sees Vinnie Jones come up and something's going on. And you're like, that's where I felt like the, I was like, oh, I wish the movie was more this movie and less of this weird show-offy movie, especially in the last act. Um, it, it gets really bizarre. There's some bad CGI choices. I, I agree with you guys. I'm not going to totally judge you, but there's a sequence where Ted Raimi, again, Ted Raimi in a Clyde Barker movie, gets whacked on the head and his yeah. eyeballs fly out. Theoretically, kind of a cool, weird shot. Um, in practice, it looks horrible. No, no, it no. Is terrible. terrible it's terrible. It's one of those, right. like, what a great concept. <clears throat> that whole sequence is a great series of con- horror right. concepts. But that whole, like, don't worry, it'll look fine in CG, was like, maybe you shouldn't do it. It almost it's, felt it's like, to me, like they were going to film it in 3D and then change their mind. Well, it was just that badly rendered. I feel like this movie suffers from, it's a Clive Barker movie, meaning... Hmm. What happens is you've got a Clive Barker script, which means you need Clive Barker dollars. This exact concept given to, like, an indie horror guy would have done something really cool with this movie. He would have been like, you know what, all those moments you love would have been what the movie's about. But because it's a Clive Barker movie, it's got to go to Lionsgate. they got to throw three or four million bucks at it. they got to make it super slashery, super fucking, you know... Uh, a lot of CGI and a lot of blood and gore to, like, recoup their budget. But the thing is, the concept in the original story is great. I, had you had, like, those little moments we love, that's what you focused on, well, it could have been a really good movie. I mean, the studio totally buried the yeah. film. Well, like, they, they did. Barker, apparently, there was an executive who didn't care for it. I don't know if that's exactly that's, that's, that's apparently the lore. That's one word. Barker said the reason is because 
uh, the, and there's been other people who uh, said the same thing since. Anything that guy who was a new executive didn't have a producer credit on, I mean, he buried. Uh, there's no way to know. All I have is the text yeah, itself, exactly. and and I. I think there's good stuff in there. I think the guy is a, is a talented director. He knows how to direct actors. The actors are really good. I think the acting in here is probably better than like – I would say this and Candyman are the two best acted films that we Agreed. reviewed. And, and and I have to give props to the director. I think he was a – I think he's you know a pretty cool director. I mean he's obviously a very talented director. Um, and props to them for picking him. To right. The material, that he's yeah. an unusual choice and I'm sort of – Bewildered that he hasn't directed another mainstream Hollywood movie since. He then. wasn't the first choice. He was the backup choice. He was. Who was yeah. It was uh, Patrick Tatopoulos, who was the production designer yeah. in like Dark City, and um, but I, the end. I have mixed feelings about. It. It's kind of neat that it goes to this weird um, creature thing ending, but unfortunately, I don't think it totally lands in the way that it should. And I think it has a somewhat predictable short story. Oh, Henry ending like, oh, now you're the Santa Claus yeah. or whatever the hell it is. I, but you know? it, it does indeed. <laughs> now you're the very train. right horror mythology <laughs> type of thing. I, I liked it. There's, I liked it a lot. I, I, it is. You know what? Honestly, as a B movie and and as something that like. Um, if you want to watch an intro, like, I mean, like, this is a movie I would recommend to myself, like, if I had never seen it, like, I would say, like, I don't know that you're going to love this movie, but you kind of need to check it out. It like, has to be seen. Yeah. I, it's, as a fan, as a person who listens to this podcast, I think this movie might be more reality than some of the other ones. I don't love everything, like you said, the Vinnie Jones shit and the weird stuff on his body. I'm like, th- that's just a waste of time. That's, that's, a, that's a bad I mean, it storytelling. It just feels like... Good details. It doesn't to me. Yeah, I feel the exact weird. opposite. No, All right. and, and I just think that I I don't agree with you that it's a B movie. You're I think right. this is probably one of the slickest. It is the of slickest of all of the Clyde it is Barkers. Period. The slickest. And Clyde we Barker. especially can compare that when we go downhill. I guess you could say with um, some of Clyde Barker's. Uh, Worst efforts. All right, speaking um, of that, yeah, let's going, talk like, about Books of Blood and two, Dread. Yeah, Books of Blood and, and Dread. I'm not going to agree with you with Dread being one of his worst efforts. All right, well, let's just let's, let's talk about movies. Books or blood, most poorly book, shot. I'm sorry, Book of Blood, which is quite, like, you know, the, naming it the most, like, flat on. Okay, like, most of his films based on one of the um, Books of Blood yeah. short stories. Uh, this one was based on a combination of The Book of Blood and on Jerusalem, Jer, uh, Jerusalem Street, a postscript, it was uh, one of the ones I didn't even know existed until we started talking about uh, And this, this was one of my picks, and I apologize a little you bit. You should. Yeah. But Apology actually, not accepted. Not accepted, <laughs> patience. I didn't even watch it. It's okay. It was that bad. Um, no, this, Sorry, this Phil. Movie Phil, to, isn't... Be, to be fair, you had... Bigger fish to fry. Okay, listen. Phil, Phil's been very busy, so he Phil gets a DNC busy. did not complete. <laughs> but listen, you guys, this is one of the better paranormal investigation films that I've seen. Interesting. Um, much better than, I don't know, House on Pine Street. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, dark tapes. Oh, dark tapes <laughs> was fucking. Thor? Is it? Yeah, no. It is. <laughs> um, I actually, this is actually a viable have we done a plot? theory. Have we done a plot, Rob? You're on plot because no, he just oh, brought let me, it up. Let me do the plot. You, you didn't see it. No, no, you can't. That's funny. Okay, Hold fuck on. it. I don't care. Let's the story's go. about a guy, and his skin tells the story of a murder. Uh huh. And go. That's well, actually, that's actually, you know what? Uh, let's just it's move not, on from that. That was pretty wrong, good. I'm just, not, I didn't watch it. It's not incorrect. Uh, it's not basically, wrong. Basically, 
I don't really and there's go. A plot to this movie. It's, yeah. It starts and there's this uh, guy trailing this other dude uh, who has um, uh, uh, scarred Marking and, and marked skin. He's skinny. Okay. No, I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure we're done over <laughs> there. Do you want to do? Do you want to do I the plot summary? Dude's got skin carving shit. Skin good. stuff. That's really good. And, it's and go. Okay. <laughs> So, um, it turns, it's, it's, I'm sorry, it's a book ad. Mm -hmm. Am I wrong? It's a book ad. No, it's not. It's, I get it. No, I, I don't want to stop. I don't want to stop you on the road. No, I just, um, so he finds this guy, uh, so this one guy's tracking this other guy who has the skin. He tells the story about how there, uh, there was an academic looking into this house where, uh, you know, strange going on have been, and she enlists him because he has a history with, um, uh, sort of touching the paranormal and, she thinks he may be able to help her, and so her and her assistant bring him into this weird house where they spend most of the movie, and he begins to experience paranormal stuff. They are skeptical. They're not sure if he's real, if he's a charlatan, if he's fucking with them, and um, and then eventually it turns out uh, uh, some things are real and some things are um, not what they thought they would be, so hijinks ensue. Hijinks ensue! I, so, so, wait, quick question. Is he like... Carving stuff on his own body, like to like. No, the no. ghosts are no, carving not. their stories. The ghosts are carving their stories. That's, that's the whole end game of He's this. He's the book of blood. Yeah, like like oh. like the the twist. Yeah, I, I like doing this. By the way, I think from here on out, I'm not going to watch any of the movies. Just ask questions. Just ask questions because <laughs> I'm going to be able to like. All right, be able so to Chris, what did you think of this movie? Oh, it sucked. It's um, <laughs> it has it's not incompetent. I'm not going to say that. No, but, yeah, I agree. Uh, but it's not good. I'm just kind of like, okay, you're setting this up as a paranormal haunted house film, and it quickly moves to, like, who gives a fuck about any of these characters? I did not care about anyone in this film. The paranormal investigators are such annoying people, just unlikable, flat-out people. I'm like, I hope they die quickly. I hope they die quickly in a very sort of 70s And Italian they don't. Way. And they, yeah, they don't. really don't. Uh, and... It as much as I tend to be more of a ghost movie type of guy, and this is a very generic ghost movie, when it gets into that whole thing, which still is going into that Clyde Barker, like, oh, I'm trying to create this bigger mythology, or at least a, another director-writer trying to create a, a bigger mythology that feels Clyde Barker-esque. It just feels kind of lame, and who gives a fuck? Like, mm -hmm. this whole, like, oh, there's this big afterlife. Like, this whole, there's crossroads for the dead, and they walk through it, and they all have really bad... I mean, some of the fucking haunted house makeup we saw so, at actual haunted houses look better than the effects we saw on this So one. what did Clive Barker have to do with this movie? He, he wrote, wrote the, the short story. story. So that's about, that's about it, though, right? Yeah. He didn't produce it, he didn't, didn't write the screenplay. No, he, he, did, he, he did, did produce, produce it. it. He, he did produce it. it. Yeah. Yeah. He did produce it by name only just to give me a fucking piece no, of No, I think I, I, I can't say, I can't say, but I know that him and another guy named Jorge Sirlugi started a company to try and make like Clark Bar gotcha. Clark Barker movies. And this and Dread were were two of the movies that they And then there's a third one that's a, supposedly yeah. coming. It's a shame well. because the basic idea of like the dead are carving their stories into the flesh of it's interesting. who has no choice is right, interesting. Right, but that is the twist at the very end of this ah. movie and, and it is definitely a short story that has been stretched to feature like I just go this feels like the beginning of a really good anthology. Yeah, mm. I mean, I never felt anything was good. I mean, patience. The, your thoughts? I, I, I think that 
this, as far as paranormal investigation films go, I actually like this one because the theories that they're purporting are actually valid theories that we have been, you know, doing for, you know, or espousing for a long time. Like, they make a lot of really great points as far... I mean, it's better than those crappy, fakey Warren films, you know? So, just so people know, she likes the actual... I like the theories that... this Better than The Conjuring. (laughs) Yeah, I do. This movie... What you thought this was a better movie than The Conjuring? No, no, no. no. More accurate, This is more accurate. Can can, can I I ask, do, do you feel that that was intentional? Do you feel that... There was some research into what actual, like, sort of paranormal investigations. Yeah, I'm curious. Those are those are very valid questions, and I can't answer those. Okay. I have no idea. I don't. Uh, know. I'm just wondering if it was accidental or intentional, whether or not it's an actual good sort of paranormal. Those investigation. are absolutely amazing questions, and I would like the answer to those as okay. well. Um, so I don't the movie know. itself, you liked? Um, I felt like there was no the actual movie itself. I didn't. I don't think I liked very much. There's so much awkward penis in this <laughs> film. Well, um, a little rawhead Rex the, going on there? That's, uh, they used high, to call, yeah. that's what they used to call me in high school. Awkward penis? Yeah. What was your or, voice for that? Or rawhead Rex. <laughs> don't do fat albums. Don't do fat Wait, wait. That's what they used to call me in high school. All right. Well, we'll keep us on track you know, here. We still got another movie. Made a valid the, point. I mean, the main guy is naked 90% of the fucking movie, and I was just like, okay. He is naked. And then they have a, a, like, there's a lot. I mean, I just felt like, what's the point? Like, they didn't have have any purpose at all like i'm all for seeing dick i can do that all day but i just felt like it didn't have a purpose in this film like he's naked oh him and the professor are getting it on both in her dreams and not in her dreams but still i mean like i don't know about you but she's like I like to drink warm milk when I go to bed. And he's like, I like to masturbate. And I don't know if it's just the, you know, That's scene in Hollywood right now. Like, he Louis C. Cater. It really felt um, like a sort of lame... What like, do you mean by Louis C. Cater? He, like, was started masturbating in front of her. Like, that's supposed to turn me on? I don't think so. Did that happen in this movie? It, it, yeah. It, 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 it did you, like a, what did you guys watch? Like I barely watched this movie. I think I watched this movie when I was doing laundry. It felt like. a very desperate attempt from something that's in the most vaguest possible terms based on the original source material to make it sex and horror, you know? And it was uncomfortable because of that, maybe? It, it didn't was really awkward. That, it was know? really so, weird. So overall... Overall, I mean, I'm 50-50 on this. You I, liked it enough wow, to even say 50-50? Yeah, I mean, it, I, don't, I don't think it was like a super terrible movie. I actually pushed to have this movie included in this episode. I, because I liked it wow. the first time I saw it. The second time I watched it, I didn't like it as much because it's, it is a pretty bad movie. Yeah. It's, 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 so. so, Russ, wait, wait, what did you want to ask? Phil so can ask like, the so I, I was really low on time to watch all these movies, so I had to pick like two sacrificial films, and I watched the trailer for every movie. And Book of Blood and Dread looked like the worst movie, so they I are. put them you, off my list. Chose wisely. No, yeah, there's no doubt. There's, there's no doubt. The worst. Yeah. Uh, Chris likes Dread. Um, I like Dread a lot. But anyway, yeah. I just just production value wise, watching them, I'm like, you know what? I'd rather watch these others instead of this yeah. one. So I did, and. Uh, now I'm going to just ask questions. Without a I... doubt, Book of Blood and Dread are the two worst. Okay. Well, moving I, on. I mean, oh, we'll get into that in a Russell. second. Russell! Hey, Russell no, I, I, I agree with patience. You think Dread is worse than Rawhead Rex? Yes! yes. Yeah. Oh because God. Rawhead Rex at least has a campy value. It is it. what it is. 
It is uh, what it I is. I feel like I need to sacrifice you to, like, elder Lovecraftian sex No, gods, never going to happen. Right. They yeah. would reject me. <laughs> Anyways, um, so I was going to say about Books of Blood, I, I agree. Um, this is definitely probably the least of the movies that we've watched. Um, and I have to say, we have watched, I think, lamer, worst movies for this podcast. Oh, this is low on the list. We definitely have. This is low on the Life list. Force. No way, man. Oh, I'm sorry. I would rather Ghost watch Ghost of Mars. Ghost of Mars is better, yeah. It's way more entertaining. Watch I watched the trailer and I would watch Ghost of Mars any day ever this. Well, I, I, I'm going to say it. Ghost of Mars is better than than yes! a book of blood. I would agree. Yeah. Oh yeah. my fucking god! It's a Are you low kidding bar. me? It's a that's low exactly bar. what I'd say. Like even if you even if you hated Ghost of Mars, it's still more entertaining. It's better than fucking it's still book more of blood. Yeah, All right, Ice Cube is it? At least the ghosts in fucking <laughs> Book of Blood make sense. All right, anyways. Uh, uh, I do have to say, I do have to say, um, I I do feel the movie is, I I don't feel that this, look, and as bad as this movie is, as far as the the, the list of movies that we watched this podcast, I don't think it's like the worst movie I've ever seen. I feel like it's sort of conventional. Again, like I said, the story sort of makes sense in it, in an overall way. Um, the, the, The framing device with the books of blood is, probably more interesting than the actual story, which is a kind of banal ghost story that kind of goes nowhere. Has a few twists and turns here. I do think the the female lead was actually pretty good. She's okay. Um, the male lead was... <laughs> I mean, she's not. I'm not sure why that was funny, but okay. Yeah. Um, it looks the very visual. Pa- it was the visual. It was the visual. We're watching you. It's very. It's a very painful review. Watching you try to like make it sound nice. Very painful. It's like she's okay. Uh, look, the, the movie is just. The movie is not. The movie is not particularly ambitious. Um, uh, wow, I'm, I'm just looking at my notes here and seeing if there's anything. You know, there's occasional decent jump scare. Um, props to that. It's not very Clive Barkery. Yeah. And I don't feel like That's it's not true. a very other than the guy getting something carved into his skin. I mean, I don't know. There's much to say. It was really a Clive Barker movie. How, how was the production value? Because on the not trailer, great. it not looked great. like shit. Yeah, no, no, the, the production value. Great. But again, the production value for what it is, I thought. I don't was, hate that for okay. what it is, though. How it just wasn't. It's not great. Uh, it's pretty it's bad. I'm sorry. Hellraiser came out in 1987. Hellraiser's so much great. better than no, this. I watched a 2009. It's almost the same movie. They're all in one house. There's weird shit going on. It's very similar. Interesting. Yeah. I'm just going to end with this thought that this film had special features on the disc. No. Shut the which I was somewhat I surprised by. Like, those. why would you have special did, features? Did it have a blooper reel? For Book of- you know you know what is a, the adjective special with this movie <laughs> is bullshit. Look, I don't have a I don't, Again, I'm going to try and keep my thoughts short, which it seems like I'm, again, being really bad at. This movie is a fucking drag. It is not yeah. a great movie. It is directed by John Harrison, who directed the Dune miniseries for sci-fi. Yeah. Oh, wow, was it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I knew that. Um, okay. Which is is a, a definitely a mixed bag of a of a of a of a, a, a like a miniseries. But um, so I was kind of interested. Um, but the minute it started, it was this dull. This is going to be a bad generalization. Francois Truffaut, the the great filmmaker, once said, "British cinema is a contradiction in terms." And in some ways, I think this movie proves that there is a very boring, very British movie. Um, it's very dull. It feels like something on fucking PBS, except it's a horror movie. But um, I was bored. This movie this movie really made me despise this fucking assignment. Um, I really... Uh, I, I, like I am it, so sorry, actually. No, no, I mean, there's nothing... I, no, I, I, I feel wa- terrible about that. No, I, I can tell. Uh, Chris no, is genuinely is remorseful. Um, no, I really am. But I, I just think... 
this movie was it was just kind of a, it was just kind of boring. It was boring. It was sort of stupid. It was um, not uh, exceptionally well directed. Like Russ, I mean, yeah, there's like Russ struggled to find pros, and I think there are a few pros to the movie. I mean, I think like the lead female is good. Um, interesting about the paranormal investigations, but as a story. You can tell this is a short story. I can imagine reading this as like a 20-page short story. Where like they go to this house, but it was cramped. I hated the sets. Um, God, they started with the beginning, and he's like trying to eat eggs in this diner. And I just, I felt like it was like knives scraping on a plate. Like I was all, oh my fucking God, I already hate this movie. There, there are all these points in this film that I keep going, this should be better. You it's know? it's an and incredibly it's a mediocre film on like almost every oh, level. The idea of like the whole like ghosts are writing things on the walls and everything. I'm like, oh, this you be you act as though that is in the movie. Watching the movie, those moments don't deliver. They're just sort no, of dull. Don't. And then they got to the twist that the ghosts are writing on him. And again, in a in a 20 minute short film or a 15 page short story, that would have been a cool twist. At an hour and a half. Fuck this shit. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, what do you think it's bad writing or do you think it's bad directing? I think it's bad writing and I don't think the director brought anything to it. I think this is a dull film. It is dull. It is made by people who don't have a sense of pacing, who don't have a sense of um, the audience. They just like, they, you know, they, you can tell like they kind of wrote it and like, oh, we'll write this thing and we'll write it. And I'm like, dude, I don't. I don't care about this fucking We're movie. Just writing like crazy, but it feels that way. Like it feels sort of haphazard. It feels sort of mediocre. Like We're I mean, just I think gonna write whatever. No, but I, when I think about like <laughs> Phil wasn't going to be here, and I remember thinking like I am really going to review this in Phil's voice because I remember Phil. Phil doesn't kind of give you a pass on bullshit filmmaking. That's true, and I, he doesn't. He because he, he thinks like, dude, you don't have a lot of money. You don't have a, a, a lot of uh, uh, resources, but you can tell a good story and you can act. You can give good acting. This movie, it the acting is not bad. They're obviously talented actors, but it sucks. And I think, like, the blonde guy who's, like, the lead guy who's, like, the, the I don't know, the guy they bring in to help out, like, he is a fucking black hole of charisma. He is boring. <laughs> I, 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 he's just, like, this boring British actor. You know, it's like there's this scene where they're, they're really interested in him. Like, oh, he's kind of mysterious. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? This guy just seems like a douchebag. And I just... He I was just, the only one that would get naked. I mean, you know, he went on to play Robin Hood on some TV. The lead character was like, I'm really into you. I'm like, really? Again, it's just, it feels like this movie where they're sort of going through the motions. I don't think anyone who made this movie or is in this movie, and certainly all of us who are watching this movie, are excited about it. And I think the movie feels that way. So, you know what? Guys, I'm going to make a command decision. We're fucking done talking about Books of Blood. Skip this movie. Of all the, of, those are, those I would say honestly, Russ and I have a number one rule. You can make, and I think this is probably Ghost to Ghost to Mars and a million other things that we talked about. You can make all kinds of fucking movies. You can make weird movies like fucking Rawhead Rex, which are crazy and make no sense. Like, why the fuck but would you make this movie? Good. You can make all this. You can make you can make smart movies. You can make all this. Just don't be fucking boring. Books of Blood is a fucking snooze, and I, I can and I, I'm having a hard time. Of all the episodes we've done on the show, this is almost number one on the list of movies to fucking skip because it's fucking dull. So I can see why and, with our next film we're going to have issues. Yeah, yeah I was just probably because it's, it like it's from the people who made Books of Blood. I have Rob Summers issues with Dread. Okay. I just think this movie is so next fucking terrible. Dread, yeah, uh, released in 2009. Uh, directed and written by Anthony DeBlasi. 
Who the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah, he did nothing else. Yeah, literally. Um, Can I do the summary for this movie? Oh, he was Zach Bridger, Midnight Meat Train. And Book of Blood. By all means, Russell Summers. Okay. So, Dread is a movie about Judge Dread who polices yeah. the tower blocks in Mega City oh, One. And, oh, I've got the wrong movies. I watched Sorry. the same movie. I am the law. I am the law. I've got the same. I watched the same movie. That's not the I same movie. That's not the same movie. Of the Keith Urban. You're thinking of Judge Dread, not the same movie. Oh, Dread. Either way, way, either way, That's I would say, man. listen. Wait, he's in. Whatever you're doing. Watch this movie yeah, about one. Judge Dredd. It's badass. Either Judge Dredd movie Judge is better Dredd. than this Any of the movie. Judge Dredd movies. Any Judge Dredd movie. <laughs> what is, is happening right now? We're talking about We awesome. are the law. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, we want our viewers to watch a good movie, so guys, you should check out Dredd. Dredd is yes. badass. And I want Phil to continue to speak in his <laughs> Sylvester Stallone voice the whole entire rest Actually, of this Actually, I episode. do too, but, you know. Okay, I, so Russ, plot. Like Russ, wait, wait. Plot. Plot, plot. Bro, I did my plot. funny joke, and now I have to actually. <laughs> now I actually have to give a summary of the plot. Quick, Dread is about a, 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 a couple of uh, university or I guess graduate school students. Um, one in particular who convinces another one who's a uh, filmmaker to attempt to do a documentary about the idea of of fear and what people fear, and um, they they go down a rabbit hole of what uh, uh, that fear entails for other people. Hijinks ensue. Hijinks motherfucking ensue. Is that it? But this is a spoiler review. This isn't like the Wikipedia, like like the IMDb, like this is the basic idea. One what of happens? one of the college students takes it too far, and he decides to put their he starts fears, to make people's yeah, fears in, happen in to them to see scenarios. what they'll do. Yes, I've already started to zone out. So it's a dick move. I kind of uh, maybe the pro- it's, a it's a raw head move. It's a raw head move. I feel like the issue is like I can actually picture Russell doing that with the film experiment. He's like, this is something I would do. Russell's really? not a psychopath. Yeah. Raw, no, 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 that's not a psychopath move until it is. Dude, the guy, the main character is a. <laughs> All right, psychopath. all right, we're focusing in on the review so we can wrap this up. Chris, Chris you, you like Dread? I'm just gonna say Robin Russell are hungry is all I'm saying. No, I'm saying like oh, these things are like an hour and a half and I'm gonna I'm gonna get yeah, this going. We're, we're getting right there at that point. Yes. I, I genuinely enjoyed this film, although I will say upon a rewatch, it's got terrible acting. There's just no getting around it. The, is the is that the biggest problem in the movie? Yeah, the performances across the board are not good. They're so like, you're telling me if there had been better acting you would have liked the movie? Yes, more. I would. I do tell you that. Okay. I think if there are better performances. I think if there are really solid performances here, I would have. In no them. way would that have saved the movie. I yeah. think this is really dark, like fucked up stuff. Like where it's like there is no sense of light here. This is going down a very dark tunnel, and I kind of like where it's going. I like it. it. It's experimentation with like fear and very. Barcarian, is that what we Yeah, yeah. No, we've decided yeah, it's a word. Uh, uh, like, ideas, I found this kind of fascinating. However, I think that it kind of ended on a sort of like, really, that's all you had? Like, point. I think Jackson Rothbone sucks. You didn't even watch this. <laughs> you don't even know. <laughs> Disregard anything um, Bill has to say. Okay, so patience. I. I <sighs> 
It's one of the least of the Barker films, to be fair. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I felt like the, the production value on this film. Mm. I mean, I'm into B-rated films or yeah. indie films, but it was really bad. I don't know what was going on with the lighting, and that was a... I'm, I'm the goose right now. Yeah. <laughs> I am the goose right now, but the lighting in this film was super weird. Like, it was super whitewashed at times, and well, you're just like... So, so I, I think what... This this is to get pretty gear-heady, and I think you probably saw some show. Well, right. That's what I'm saying. When when I watch the trailer, instantly a dead giveaway that you don't know what the fuck you're doing is when you blast light into a scene, you have no idea of what you're doing. And I'm watching this, and and, and they're lighting like a TV show would be lit, where you're seeing shadows on the walls, like light, like double shadows. Like, it's just bad gaffing and bad cinematography. It wasn't just that. The color correction in this film is super contrasting. They they do it to cover the rest, very late. 80, uh, late uh, aughts uh, uh, sort of look where they've, they've decided to like super push the contrast. So they try to do and, a mock And normally, yeah. I wouldn't probably, and it's funny, Patience brings this up. The reason Patience is bringing people. this up, <laughs> well, no, but you don't normally like harp on the technical. Yeah, no, You're like, no. okay, well, whatever. But I think you respond to it because it it's very distracting. It's to a certain extent, like it feels, it feels, uh, 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 it feels compressed. It feels, uh, 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 you know, there's the black. It feels amateur. Yeah, it, it really what? feels like they had a camera and they didn't know how to shoot it. It's very low budget. They didn't have the lights. They didn't have the time. And that's normally okay. You know, we're talking about stuff like, um, you know, Rawhead and stuff. We're kind of like, oh, that's kind of part of its charm. With this movie, it's fucking distracting. It's super what, distracting. What it's like if Chris and I oh, go ahead. I'm curious, what year did this come out? It's 2009. 2009. So it's kind of like mean, at the end of that, like, beat the, the whole bleach bypass. Yeah, it like, is, where everybody's trying yeah. to bleach bypass Yeah, it. the bypass, and that's what they probably did, Everything's right? kind of, t- yeah. They take they took all the color out of it and really desaturated and really bumped the contrast and tried weird. to go for that. I, oh, yeah. I, I saw this at Fantastic Fest, and it's weird to consider this is the last... Clyde Barker film that came out. I was just, I literally yeah. just wrote that in my notes eight years. Yeah. How is it, how there, this guy who Stephen King called the future of horror, he, how has it been this long with all the, his output? But, but, but here's how, Clyde Barker needs a producer who has his fucking back. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, but like the guy's a great fucking writer, has great, you know, imagination, and I keep seeing his movies be bastardized by their budgets and by their production companies, and it's like, Hellraiser had two million bucks, and it's great. I mean, like the, the, there is a, a key to this guy being successful, and it's not going the route he's been going. Well, yeah. okay, that's part of final thoughts. Wait, but, but wait, yeah. wait. I think that's a good thought. And I, patience, yeah. I just want to finish what your what your thoughts were on this particular on movie. this particular movie with Dread. I just felt other than the lighting, which is weird for yeah, you're right. Like that's weird for me to point out. The dialogue is so fucking oh, terrible yes. in this movie. <laughs> Like, I don't know. I mean, who wrote... Okay, the same guy that directed it wrote the screenplay. Um, Anthony D. Blasi. But I just... <laughs> de Blasi. That's the nicest thing uh-huh. ever said his name. This, like, I mean, his mom I, right now somewhere is like, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> the, the, the dialogue is so terrible. At one point, they're like... Um, spread eagle like a split beaver, and I was just like, "Are we in junior high?" <laughs> because that sounds like someone in junior high would say, "Spread your eagle like a split beaver." That turns me the fuck on. Those are two different know. animals, and I don't understand. Okay, that. I mean, there was such a so, weird, awkward dialogue. Other than that, that is not um, how I, spread I my d- I'm not. I know, no. and I feel like 
Okay, I don't. I'm not super great at like crazy about this movie, but I felt like there were some really great moments in this movie. At one point, there's this chick. She has um, a uh, a large birthmark on most of her body. It's a major plot point. And yeah, and at one point, she decides to do away with that birthmark I and I it was super disturbing mm-hmm. that part and way. I don't want to give away because this is relatively I mean that's super <laughs> <laughs> Phil is just crunching away he's like over there yeah, I know I'm he's gonna like, chew like uh, <laughs> okay patience finish kids eating crackers over here um yeah no I just felt like there were some super disturbing moments especially with uh one of the main characters and how she's treated uh, the mm-hmm. vegetarian yeah. or vegan character. Like, I thought there was some super gross moments that I loved, but overall, I don't think it was enough Russ? to make this movie good. Um, uh, well, I completely agree with, with Patience on the dialogue and those sorts of things. And, it, and again, I, I think as I've said many times, the dialogue is the number one problem that I have with most movies. Do you have terrible dialogue? This movie is filled with functional, boring dialogue, and it was nails on a chalkboard to me. Um... The, the leads were dull. They were charismaless. The, the one guy who sort of um, is uh, uh, the main sort of villain uh, antagonist character, I believe his name is – is it Quaid? I mm-hmm. can't remember. I couldn't and, be bothered like, to remember. Yeah, and, oh. and Quaid, um, uh, he should have been, I think, a much more interesting character, a more Tyler Durden-esque character, someone who really made me think about the kinds of – Sort of transgressive things. They should sort of agree with him. Yeah, and and he didn't. I, I felt like they totally dropped the ball on that in in casting and in in writing. Um, uh, th- there is a, a shout out. There, there's a small reference to killing Zoe in this movie. What? There I is. Totally missed yeah. that. Yeah, no, the, the one meet the girl, it's right at the beginning, the guy in the party mentions, like, have you seen Killing Zoe? And oh, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. the girl's name is Zoe. Yeah, yeah, and I, 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 I thought... It's not a reference so much as, like, a sort of, like... Please pay attention to me. Quentin Tarantino. No, it's a reference. It's a, I mean, I'm, uh, I'm going to go with a reference. reference like okay. if it's like a, a, That's an homage. I'm just, I'm just giving it a shout out because I was like, oh, something I like. Anyways, cool. um, again, and, and I think I think this is something we've talked about this movie. I, I will I will forgive bad acting. I will forgive bad effects. Uh, just give me some good ideas. And I know you guys will probably argue that it had some good ideas. I don't feel like it really did until... Maybe the end of the movie, which I feel like the, the, the climax of this film was was interesting and, and sort of horrific in its own way. I mean, I, I don't think Dread is a, a horror movie per se. I mean, I think it's more of a psychological thriller, but it does kind of this have this horrific ending that feels very Barker-esque. And, and that was really um, annoying because when I, when I watched it, I thought, oh, this is kind of what the movie should have been like. And I also felt like, oh, this is – it's sort of this sort of almost um, Tales from the Crypt sort of weird ending. And and it, and I, I really – it pointed to the way the film should have been. But instead what it made me think was this is a short film stretched out to feature length. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say was there's the girl with a birthmark who we've touched on. And then there's another girl in the movie. And I was super confused because they felt like the same girl. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was I like, I was yeah. like, are they not the same girl? And they did a terrible job. It felt like they were setting up to where they were the same girl. And there was some sort of weird, like, twist coming. Mm. And then there's no twist it's, coming. And I, I think that's indicative of the movie. I also feel like the movie gets incredibly unpleasant at the end. And the fact that it's sort of this tedious movie with bad dialogue and, and bad characterization. I started to have less and less patience for it. Um, uh, 
Huh? <laughs> As someone who's named Patience, she okay, was like, right, "What right, you call right, me?" Right, right. So, um, and also the 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 Quaid character who sort of begins to emerge as this antagonist villain thing starts to do these things, and and again because I'm not in the movie, I begin to nitpick and say to myself, like, does this guy really think he's going to get away with these horrible things that he's doing to people? Like, this is really stupid. Um, also, I wanted to say that the movie is supposed to be about people's fears. But it wasn't. It was about people's traumas. And and that was mm. sort of frustrating to me from their, their school project. I was like, wow, you're going to get an F on this project because <laughs> your premise is really terrible. That's um, a really good point. So your biggest problem has to deal with your, your like fears still that have to do with when you were in college? I don't even know what Chris just said. No, guys, you're on the wrong project. You're not going to get a good grade. Yes, that's my problem with this movie, Chris. Um, it's just, it's a very inessential film. Um, and it's, you know, uh, you know, like I said, be funny, tell a story, anything. And I feel like this movie sort of fails on this level, even in a way. You guys made this screen this. The Books of Blood does not. Because Books of Blood sort of is this, it's a more conventional sort of ghost story. But at least it's that. Whereas this movie... Um, You're talking about the movie, not the actual books. No, I, no, I, no yeah, because no, I haven't read the just, books. Yeah, just yeah. the book of blood. I'll be um, glad to love them, too. Huh? I'll be, I have them if you want to find them. I don't have a problem with anybody named Quaid who so, doesn't start a reaction. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. So... Nice. Um, I'm gonna fist bump film. This was, one. this was almost one of the last... Rawhead Rex was the last... This is the second to last movie that I watched. Um, I... I was a bit more positive. I was probably closer to Chris on this than I expected. Watching this movie, um, I like this better than Book of Blood. Uh, Russ did not. Um, I, Book of Blood was just, I was just, it was dull. This movie started, I felt it was kind of interesting. Um, I, I thought there was, they were kind of up to something more. The dialogue wasn't as egregious to me as it was to Russ. I think I just was, maybe my expectations were lower or whatever, but I actually felt like the beginning was kind of interesting. Like I was like, okay, this is kind of going somewhere. It's not a horror movie. Um, especially in the sense of almost every other movie we're talking about, there's a monster, there's an antagonist. This was much more, like you said, a psychological like thriller, I guess you would say, and dark fantasy. <laughs> was not dark. I wish it had been dark fantasy. Nah. Um, I was, but by the time it gets to the end, it's just it's a really ugly, unpleasant movie. As were almost all the movies we watched for this Barker thing, and this one especially, that was kind of concentrated. Um, nice people had very awful things happen to them, and it was difficult for me to watch, like, as a person. Um, I, I can't necessarily recommend this movie. I, I think it's it's not the worst uh, movie that I've ever seen in any way. I think that there was some intelligence, like, there was some filmmaking, despite we're talking about some of the low-budget stuff. But I, I was way more bored in Book of Blood, which I felt was repetitive. It didn't. Agreed. Oh yeah, it didn't go anywhere. Um, I thought the leads were boring as shit. This one, yeah, they're not. The leads aren't particularly memorable. Um, the 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 point it's making is very obvious from the get go, and you see where the movie's going to go. Again, I can see how as a fifteen page short story, this is probably really good. As a hour and a half movie, maybe probably not the best project. So. I would say, I mean, I'm probably close to Chris and I don't think it's a complete failure, but do I think this is a movie worth your time or worth watching? Unfortunately, no. Like, I just think it's, it doesn't really make a, a fascinating, interesting point at the end. Like, it, it did seem like it kind of started to go somewhere, but it doesn't really have anything to say at its heart. And it is a movie about saying something. So, 
I don't know. I'm going to say Skiffle. I, I think it's amazing that... For it's not scary, by the way. Yeah, I'm it's, really it's not that. scary. It's, it's kind of gross and yeah. disturbing, but it's and not it's scary. Sad. Yeah, definitely sad. Yeah. And I think that kind of bummed me out. Like, Nothing like, disturbing and sad is a okay mm-hmm. thing to do. I, no, I film. like disturbing and sad movies. This one just didn't do it very and well. I do admit... I like this film. Yeah. I don't love this film. No, no. But, and I, but, but I don't even think you really like it all. It's just, it's okay. But let's go to the, we're at the end phase. So let's talk about I have final who thoughts. Barker is. Everybody, your final thoughts for what you think the best of this whole list was. And patience, go. Oh, well, shit. I, I want to say that I'm super happy that Deliberations of Doom did not think that Rawhead Rex was the worst movie that we saw. I enjoy. I was Doom super. I wasn't necessarily we sad. Like, I saw uh, that movie. Rawhead Rex is shitty, but it was kind of enjoyable. I I have to go hands down. Old school with Hellraiser and Hellbound Hellraiser two, without a doubt. I mean, when I think Barker, even though I love Nightbreed and Lord of Illusions, when I think Barker, I think Penhead. Chris? And and there's just nothing. I mean, Else. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm, I'm no, fine. you're fine. Yeah. Despite the um, CG issues, I think in terms of just a film I keep coming back to the most, I'm going to go with Midnight Meat. Wow. wow. Cool. I cool. really genuinely like that film. I think Hellraiser has the most potential to continue on to be something more interesting if they ever get around to the reboot. Or if they ever get around but, to making some sequels to yeah, that one, too. I, I find it the most <laughs> fascinating <laughs> mythology, but as far as a film straight up, I think Midnight Meat Train is best. So. Nope. Oh, me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my Sorry, God. I was quiet for so long because I didn't watch these last two shitty movies. Um, <laughs> I'm back, bitches. All right, let me see. Um, I liked... Uh, Dread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dread, the actual one with Stallone was good. No. <laughs> That's Judge Dread. Judge Dread is the one with Carl Yeah, yeah. sorry. Uh, moving on from there. Um, yeah, I feel like when it comes to Barker, um, Hellraiser's great. Uh, Candyman's great. You have to pick one. Uh, Hellraiser, in my opinion, is his quintessential, like, his it's best his film. Opus. Well, it, it literally has everything that is artistic about him from, like, you know, just being about horror or sexuality or just artistic in general or allegory-wise. Like, that one's got everything in it. And uh, it's beautifully done, and he did it for less of a budget than most of his movies, and you can really see his genius working in that. Fair enough. And so, to me, um, yeah, Hellraiser bar none is his best film, and, you know, I'd like to see more things of that. I, I really do feel like when it comes to these horror auteurs, they really become, you know, victims of their own budget and their own nostalgia, especially people that kind of uh, became famous in the 90s because there weren't a lot of good filmmakers in the 90s making horror movies. A lot of them were very, like, pache, a lot of uh, just super cliche directors, and you see a lot of... Uh, a lot of the movies made here were in that time period when, like, some of the worst horror films were made, in my opinion. And a lot of uh, Stephen King movies, too, were in that period. True. And uh, now you're seeing, you know, more accomplished filmmakers taking more serious approaches to that. And I hope that happens to Clyde Barker. I hope he gets either, A, more money or he gets a, a better film director to come aboard and, like, really home one of his projects. So uh, it was a fun assignment. And, um, yeah. I didn't watch two movies, and I'm glad I didn't. I'm <laughs> glad you didn't, too. You picked the right two. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I have to uh, echo Phil's comments. I mean, I was so uh, blown away watching Hellraiser again as a as a cinematic experience, uh, despite its flaws. I, I just think it encapsulates what Barker did particularly well as a writer and uh, especially as a, a auteur. I, I just I, – I was so – blown away by it and and what he was trying to do and i felt like um you know it's a really unique movie um and i think elements of that pervade 
probably almost all the movies that we reviewed. Maybe not Book of Blood. Um, but <laughs> but but the but the other ones I, I do feel like what what Bark but Barker succeeded in that in in a different way in Hellraiser. And uh, I just think it's a really great movie, and I think it's it's an essential movie as far as horror canon. Um, I I have to say probably the the film that struck me the most was Candyman. I think it's the most successful at what at sort of translating what's special about Barker. Um, and uh, I just think it, it's it's a it's in a lot of ways a daring film in a way that some horror just isn't. I mean, I look at like Books of Blood or 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 um. Uh, something else on this list, and I feel like they don't push. They, they push boundaries. Obviously, Rawhead Rex fucked up Russ or whatever, but I mean, in a big way, in a huge way. Uh, but but I but I want to say Russ or whatever. Yeah, but I, I wanted to say quickly about Barker. I think that the reason that we're talking about him, and this is coming from me, and I, I found this assignment to be not maybe my favorite. I think these movies are dark. I think they're um, uh, not maybe the most pleasant films. I think they're in some ways a lot sad and disturbing. But I think Barker explores um, extreme sexuality, um, God's religious fanaticism, the intersection of sex and violence. And Russ made this really astute point on the way over here. We were sort of bullshitting about all this stuff. And he said that we're talking about the characters in his films pursue enlightenment. But in the end, they only find a sort of nihilistic end. And and I think that, uh, you know, that those run through all these films that there is a sophistication in it. I think a pursuit of ideas that is uncommon. There's a reason we're talking about it. And I have to say, I'm very sad there aren't more Barker adaptations and, and even more tragic that he's not directing anymore. That he, I know um, personally he got really sick in the last few years and he was, un, you know, physically it was difficult for him to probably do something like direct on a movie set for 16 hours, uh, which is sad, but it was way, you know, he hasn't made a movie, he hadn't made a movie way before he got sick. And um, I, as a fan of horror and a fan of uh, movies that, are about bigger ideas, which I think is the best thing horror movies can do. Um, Barker wants that, and 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 he's after that. And so, I mean, while again, I really didn't love this assignment. I thought, you know, it's kind of kind of depressing in a lot of ways. I I do, I am um, happy that these kind of movies exist and that people are trying to do his stuff. And I'm and I hope they do more. I really do. I hope that there's more Clyde Barker stuff in the future. So that's kind of what I was going to say. Anyways. Fantastic. I, I, I want to just give another shout out to our listeners. Thank you so much for listening to us drone on and yeah. on and on. <laughs> I mean, we definitely take like a one hour show and turn it into three hours. So yeah. thank you guys so much for listening to us. Please continue to post on our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter. Give us feedback. We, we're listening. We're, yeah, we're, we're curating the future shows absolutely. and your opinion is important. If you want a movie on there, we want to talk about it. So. And a shout out to Carlos, our celebrity bartender. We were well lubricated throughout yeah. the, the multiple cheers, episodes. Cheers. So slaunch into that. Cheers, cheers. motherfuckers. All right. Thanks and for, keep screaming. Keep screaming, mofos. Are we going to keep screaming? Because I wasn't sure. I didn't get the message. Did someone say keep screaming? Phil's taking that really literally. Oh, it's already gone on long enough. <laughs> <laughs>